いよいよですねゴングが近づいてきたんですけれども自信のほどはどうですかズバリああるはるやよコンフィデンスというか Get the belt. Well, I think that when you, you win the belt, you know, you have a chance to go all over the world wrestling again all the best wrestlers in the world, you know, and wrestling with, with the best ones all over the world, you know. But I think when you have the belt, you have more money, you make more money, you have more.、Uh, so you, you have you good, good confidence, you have a lot of confidence? Well, yeah, I have plenty. Episode of Mex Flentayo. As always, with you this week, it's me, the true outlaw of comics, Ramon Villalobos. And I'm joined by, of course, Daniel Idizarri. Dan, we need to come up with a nickname for you. Yeah, I got nothing. I feel very、uh, <laughs> neutral. Like, I, I'm, I'm kind of a. Every the... week, I'm just like, oh, I'm here with Daniel, of course, obviously. Yeah, but every I... single week. I feel like I need to say <laughs> every like, single week I have like this idea. Yeah, I'm gonna do the cool thing, the cool thing that really identifies me. Yeah, and I'll say something. One time I started with like, oh yeah, que la que, which is like a Puerto Rican saying. Is that、um, what it is? But, huh? Is that, is that what that is? Yeah,、uh, que la que is like saying what's going on, but it's more like saying what's going. It's very、mm. slanged up. Um. Oh no! What happened? Sorry about that.、Uh, an alarm sounded. It's fine. It's fine. Um, but it it didn't it didn't work out. I feel like that was one of the times where you started over, and I'm like, never mind. I'm doing normal. <laughs> Hi, how you doing? That's right. I remember the, that because I was like, what'd you say? And you're like, nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just just ignore that. Just no, pretend but I didn't I, say it. it. You're right. I I essentially have no identity. Yeah, my my thing is being like an amorphous blob with mostly no face. Yeah, I I like the idea of being. You remember like the the chameleon in the Spider Man cartoon? I do remember. Is he just, the, is he like this bald white face in the cartoon? Ah,、uh, I just it's just that I don't know if he looked like that in the comics, and I、oh. just think about him as the bald white face from from the from the cartoon from the nineties cartoon. The Peter Parker with the polo, yeah.、Um, that that show had some incredible and, fits and it, on it. I feel like everybody, like you know, now it's become sort of like in vogue if you draw Spider Man stuff to like sort of reference that era, like. And I get it, yes. But I felt like for a long time that show had underappreciated fits. Like everybody would talk about the X Men show and that, like how ever well everyone dressed was in that, but. Nobody ever talks about the Spider-Man show and how, like, you know, they were just wearing the craziest sort of pastel and jeans fits that you've ever seen. Yeah,、uh, the the Peter in that show was like normcore before that was a thing. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, he was he was kind of dressing like Seinfeld, which was sick. Yeah, because yeah. I, I mean, at the time, I loved yeah. Seinfeld, so it was it was very New York. <laughs>、uh, the X Men wasn't New York. 
I, 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 speaking as someone who's never been to New York, it was just how it felt in my mind. I felt like I was in New York when I was watching the Spider-Man cartoon. Yeah, my favorite era uh, is like mid to late 90s New York, like to watch things about, you know, like mid to late 90s New York, like after it got cleaned up, you know, quote unquote, like when people like lament Mm -hmm. like, oh, New York isn't like edgy and like hardcore anymore. Like that's my favorite era where it's like, look, everything (laughs) looks like. You know, as soon as New York sells out, that's but when it's on great. TV, it was always just L.A. like that one street that they built, you know, for movies and TV. Yeah. So like my favorite era is like all the stuff that is like clearly not New York. It's just like a set somewhere that to yeah. look like New York. Yeah. Your favorite era was like a studio in Vancouver. My favorite era is Lois and Clark, the TV show. Like they were always doing oh, stuff outside, yeah. but nobody was ever actually in New York. You know, Seinfeld, Seinfeld, Rest- the Re- Godzilla movie. <laughs> Uh, you've got mail, you know all that shit. Oh, you've got stuff. mail, beautiful era. Yeah. Uh, no, there were some incredible just, fits in you've got mail, and that was like the end of. That's when it. Every, that's when everything kind of peaked, you know. Yeah, yeah. Everything went downhill. Uh, all of a sudden, <laughs> uh, I don't know what happened around two thousand one. Yeah, what ha- uh, I don't know what happened two thousand one. That just made New became York a bummer. It got lame. It got super lame. Yeah, I, I kind of forgot. But uh, let's address. It was right around then. It was like 2000, 2002. I, you can tell like there's this really big difference from two thousand to two thousand two. I don't know what happened in between there. In two thousand, I'm watching TRL. I'm loving it. I'm seeing Carson Daly. Like that's real New York. Is just like Times you know Square. What? You know that era. Mm-hmm. And then uh, yeah, in 01, just something happened. We kind of like just kind of you know, lost. You know the why Spider Man One is the best one? Why is that? Because even though it came out in two thousand two, it was filmed before. Yeah. Before that's absolutely a hundred percent true. I I don't know what happened. <laughs> it captured the golden age. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, I want to address the elephant in the room. Well, two elephants in this room. One, okay. um, I got an incredible new mic, and you know, sounding I just, smooth. I'm I'm enjoying this. This is new podcaster Ramon. You guys can get used to it because this is what I'm going to sound like. And I want to thank this the is Patreon. your real voice. This is how I sound. Like, uh, you know what it was like last week I was editing the episode. I felt like we had kind of a banger on our hands and I'm, I'm editing the episode and I'm listening to my fucking, there's a generator outside my room and it's just like going crazy. And like, it's like half the sound of my voice. And so as I'm talking, like, uh, it's just like getting filtered through this, like, you know, the secondary wave and I can edit out that wave pretty easily but not without destroying the way i sound <laughs> so like, yeah, it's like every time you opened your mouth it would sound like a, a generator screaming well no it was just like it would filter out that whatever wavelength that is but anyways you know the, the point is that i got a new mic because i was driven insane i was like sitting in bed and thinking like uh this generator outside like wh- what is the time that's best for us to record where it's not going off constantly. And all I heard, it was like, a, like I'm laying in bed just listening to a generator for like 24 hours. <laughs> so, it's uh, like the Edgar Allan Poe yeah. story, except it's the generator outside that you want, like, you want to kill. Yeah, so, I mean, and it's weird because there was at least one episode where I sounded fine and there was no problem. And then there was another one where I sounded like shit and there was a huge problem. So... Anyways, the the point is, I bought a microphone, 
uh, it wasn't that expensive. It was on Amazon, and I wanted to thank. Are you gonna do a plug? No, I was, but I wanted to thank. Yeah, in a way, yes, <laughs> because I want right. to plug our Patreon. <laughs> like hell, yeah. I got a little bit of money from a project I can't really talk about, but um, I also got money from our wonderful fans. We have six Patreon uh, supporters, and I wanted to thank them. And you know, the the best way I could thank you is not sounding like shit this week. Which is why... Your money at work. Yeah. So thank you very much. The support... Like, when I posted the thing about Patreon, it was like, specifically, I knew my microphone was like, just not that great. Like, it was a... Mm -hmm. It was like, it's like a desktop, like, shitty microphone. And I was like, yeah, we need a new one for me specifically, because in the first episode, I sound like shit. And then the second one, I think I sounded fine, but then you sounded a little crazy. And then I've sounded since perfect then, every episode. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> every single time after that, like it's a total crapshoot, and I'm just like, you know, I bet if I buy a new mic, it'll fix it. And yeah, and this is like the most boring, useless shit to talk about. But I, you know, it's great because I have I have this tech now. talk. Yeah, like I I don't know if anybody cares, but I'm happy as fuck. So I think I think there's going to be at least a couple of people who are going to uh, join the Patreon and and subscribe and share on Twitter just out of how smooth you sound. Well, there's you know, there's they're going to listen. They're going to be like, this is a pro podcast. We started the podcast because we didn't give a fuck and we kept it going because there's all these cool things that we want to talk about. But the limitation like before I can talk to some of the people that I want to talk to, that I've reached out to, I wanted to get a little bit more professional sounding, you know? Like, I wanted for us to sound a little bit more like real podcasters and not just, like, two idiots. So I got me a microphone, and I am I kind of feel like, since I do most of the work, I'm the main host. <laughs> not yeah. that, not yeah, that you are an you essential, but I felt like... Yeah. I, if I riff. Well, here's the thing, is I open the show and I close the show, right? So if I sound mm-hmm. like shit, we're opening and closing on a bad note every single time. No matter how funny you are, Daniel. I don't know. I'm pretty funny. Yeah. I'd say. Well, yeah, but like people won't even hear it because they'll hear my fucked up voice and be like, I'm out. I don't yeah, want to do this. Yeah, as, as, as soon as you open up the show, they just turn it off. They're just like, They're fuck like, this, this is guy. A, a child's podcast. This is a joke. This isn't real. So yeah, the second elephant in the room is that we were supposed to have a guest today. I won't say who it is, but I was I was again, excited. I was excited. We had some stuff to talk about with him, and he said uh, that he thought we meant next Wednesday, and here's the thing. We had a different guest plan for next week, so... Incredible. We're going to so, have to bail on them? No, no. It's just we're, he, we're moving him out, uh, further down the line, but... Um, well, that guest, that guest that you're talking about messaged me separately. He said, fuck you. Did he um, really? I'm ruining your plans. We're gonna no, of course he didn't. I'm 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 riffing here. Oh, uh, but <laughs> well, with this guest, you never know. Um... No, no, uh, it, they are a sweetheart, but that doesn't stop uh, me from being extremely disappointed and talking shit about him now. And he's not gonna hear this. He's not gonna know what we're talking about. Uh, we we're free to slander them as much as we want. I think at this point. So for bailing on us. Right. So the plan for this week was like, okay, we're going to talk to this dude and you know, we don't really have a topic. There's nothing like pressing that we need to talk about, but, um, I figured like we should just do it in our recorded time because 
eventually what we want to do is do at least two episodes a week where one of them is sort of like the interview one that we've been doing where we'll talk about like a comic or a comic movie or, you know, uh, some sort of like news subject or something. Mm -hmm. And then a second episode where it's just you and I chatting and it can be a lot more sort of casual, free flowing like the first episode was. And I feel yeah, like, fuck nice. it, like this, we'll just do this and talk to each other and then, you know, have a chill episode this week while, I, while we're both working. And uh, yeah, so so that's what this one was. But I also wanted to like, well, what should we talk about? Like, we should talk about something. So I was like, well, let me just check the, the comics news sites. And I don't know about you, but I think like there was like a transition where when I started making comics, I got a lot less interested in like checking the news sites for comics, you know, like before I made comics, I was on like Newsarama, Comics Alliance, you know, CBR, all kinds of shit. And now that I make comics, I am much less like inclined it's to, hard go to keep up. I'm much less inclined to like click on a separate thing outside of like Twitter because I have friends that will just like give me links to things. You know what I mean? Like when you're, when you're in the business of it, you don't really need to go do it like you don't need to go like read about it somewhere else but mm -hmm. you know i think about that ecosystem and that sort of like that like online like blogging uh world and how it's kind of been decimated like or if it's not been decimated like a lot of these sites have been sold off like you know like the newsarama the cbrs their own yeah, there's nothing left of them basically yeah. comics alliance is definitely dead dead well I mean, like at the, least yeah, they were... cbr ex exists at least like newsarama exists in some form but comics alliance is, is is uh we're talking about a relic i don't like if anybody younger than i don't know 24 or something is is listening to the podcast they might not even know what comics alliance is which is crazy to think about because it was such a huge wave back then like mm -hmm. i remember it was it was fundamental yeah, when Comics Alliance got like really hot, I remember I was, uh, I was putting stuff on like Tumblr again, like, like that gold. Yeah, that was the Tumblr dream era, and they getting featured in Comics Alliance. Yeah, like Andy Corey used to run a feature every week called Best Art Ever this week, and he would uh, yeah yeah he would he would start to post my art on there, and I would go to like shops like just in real life. And I would be like, you know, talking to the owner and they're like, oh, you draw comics? I'm like, yeah. What's your name? Oh, Ramon. Ramon Villalobos? I was like, oh, yeah. How did you know that? And they're like, oh, because, uh, you know, I read Comics Alliance. Like, that was the cool place to read about comics mm -hmm. news. And then, you know, you got like Bleeding Cool. And that was like how I really did. I think I mentioned it on our other episode. But that was how I really did kind of like, like really pop off in like a different way, which was. Uh, for some reason, Rich Johnson just like made an article about me drawing the different uh, DC uh, like New Fifty Two costumes because people were like just mad at they they hated them, and I, so I was yeah like, oh. that was that that was a whole wave <laughs> yeah people every time they would drop one people would be like oh it's the worst this is the worst one this is even worse than the last one so I was like oh, it's I did not my about... own I did my own set did you as well yeah what, not... did you did you redesign them. Yeah, like it was, it was like a little feature. Like the, it, it's funny. Like, uh, in terms of the sites we're mentioning, there was all there's also like Project Rooftop, yeah, which was dedicated to redesigns, and that was, 
again, something that doesn't exist now. It's all like a Twitter post of somebody doing their own thing, but it felt special when it was Project Rooftop and they would get actual comic book artist judges. They would yeah. have like a big competition. Um, but you were talking about Bleeding Cool? We should have... Uh, well, we, we're definitely going to have um, Mayday Trip on because they used to run it back in the day. Yes. Um, yeah. And I know they said they Shout wanted out to, to Mayday. do the show. So I, I definitely want to have them on to talk about... Um, that era too but yeah like no what i did was i didn't redesign the costumes though i just drew the costume as it was shown because i was like it's Mm -hmm. not really about like you don't like this costume it's like you don't like this artist drawing that costume and the costume is probably like cool if it was an artist that you like so my thing was i'll just draw all of them and you know that was just like the arrogance of like i can make anything look cool like you know mignola can make anything incredible arrogant energy worked out yeah, well, like you know, I remember uh, that. You remember? Uh, did you ever read X Force? Uh, the which run? Uh, I only read the Remender uh, Black and White X Force. No, Liefeld guys. Oh no, sorry. Yeah, like the Liefeld when he started it. Uh, like you know, the designs were sick, but you know, people I think would judge him based on like. Oh, we don't like Rob's art or whatever. Not back then. Back then, they were all fucking loving it. But, like, in retrospect. And there was one issue where Mignola draws it, and he draws those same costumes, and they look totally fucking sick. Yeah, I'm aware of at least that one, yeah. And so, my thing was, like, if he can do that, I can do that, right? (laughs) Like, Like, again, like, just the arrogance of it. But I, so I did it, and, you know, at least Rich liked him, so he made a post about it. But that was enough to like just blow you up, you know. Um, yeah, bleeding cool is is has a much broader reach for for better or worse. Yeah, yeah, and like, well, I don't know about for better or worse, but like, I don't know if they still have that reach though. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. That that that's true. It it. a lot of these sites feel like they all have exactly the same format now like there's there's a sort of a uh an accepted algorithmic format of what's left of these sites and it's just you have a list of the links and on one side it's like tv and movies and on like the tiny corner it's comics yeah usually it'll be like comics on Comics will be there, but it's not like it's it's in it's in front of the other stuff, but it's definitely not the stuff getting them clicks. So you know that you yeah, can just tell, and like, it's not reporting. They're, yeah. they're, it's usually like a list of press releases. That's that's the main thing that I like. It really stuck out. So before we recorded, um, when we knew that we didn't have a guest, and I wanted to find out, like, okay, well, what's going on? In we did the scramble. Right I just asked. <laughs> yeah, I scrambled. I was just like, hey, like, what? Where do you? read or what do you read about comics news because or like where do you get your news from aside from twitter because i know most people would just say well from from twitter which is fair because that's where i get it from um yeah that's, and, that's an honest answer you know i i pulled up the different uh link or like you know the people will say oh newsarama sometimes cbr sometimes bleeding cool sometimes aipt i don't know what that one stands for do you know what that is uh ain't it the ain't it the p like, <laughs> I th- I think it it. I'm 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 looking it up because I know it's ain't it the. Ain't, well, how could it be ain't it the 
It's A-I-P-T. Ain't it the... P... <laughs> the B-Comics. No. <laughs> All right. But we don't, like, it's A-I-P-T. That's what they said, not A-I-T-P. But, you know, I clicked on oh, that right. one. right. Yeah. Anyways, Gotta it's a weird, it's it's a weird name. It's important. Yeah, I guess we don't need to do it on the show, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, like, they have on their site the list of the top five articles. The first one is the best in comics of the year, part one. Second one, X-Men Monday, where they have a... They talk about Jonathan Hickman's X-Men run. They, Him and uh, Teeny Howard answer your questions. Number three is about pro wrestling. Number four is Here Horizon Zero Dawn Volume 1 Review. I don't know what that is. Is that a comic book? Uh, that's a uh, that's a game, Horizon. I know Horizon is a game. Yeah, it looks like it's a comic. I guess they made a comic about the game. Why is why is the cover a picture then? I don't know. And then Alex Ross is right. Hollywood better pay comics creators. Oh, I didn't know Alex Ross said that. But you know, shout out to AIP oh, for yeah, giving no, me that had, bit of news. He had some beef. <laughs> do you want to do you want to talk about that for a second? Um, I, I mean, yeah, I don't know good. about it. So it's just funny. Uh, he got really mad because the um, the TV. Uh, the CW DC series uh, leaned in heavily on his Kingdom Come stuff. Mm. And he um, didn't see like a dime and, from any of that, huh? And he didn't see a dime from any of that. But apparently before that, like like DC has a, a sort of like a courtesy money thing that they do um where just out of courtesy they will pay you a stipend or a check for an amount of money if they've used something from your from a, a comic that you worked on or something that you designed and uh Alex Ross had been getting those I forgot what the most recent thing he oh I remember now um one of the characters in Black Lightning one of his one of that character's daughters is a character that eventually becomes black lightning in kingdom come you, you remember the character that's like oh, spiky yeah. electric mm-hmm. um that character is, that's who they base black lightning's daughter on and so he got like i don't know like a $500 check for that it's not like a royalty there's no yeah. it's just a courtesy thing but apparently he uh, with the whole DC change of management that occurred, he stopped getting any kind of courtesy checks, and that's mm. when, at the same time, they were doing basically his broken Batman from Kingdom Come. They were using the black Superman S for Brandon Routh in in that uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah, it's a lot of stuff story. that's like heavily adopted from what he was doing. So, I mean... Yeah, and the Wonder Woman, the golden Wonder Woman armor that's set to appear oh, in the... Yeah. I feel like that one's a little... like That one's a little more tenuous. That one can be like, debated. Yeah. Yeah, they they did something unique with it, even though they gave it that kind of hawk head. I think Alex Ross has an argument for <laughs> I, it. But, I, would, I would love to talk about Kingdom yeah. Come at a later... Like, you know, I have an episode where we just talk about Kingdom Come and, like, you know, the yeah, politics that's a, in that's it. Yeah, that's a solid... It's, I'm sure like it's a fascinating thing. 
But, like, you know, I, I also think it's interesting how, like, with Alex Ross, he's totally different from, uh, like, Frank Miller, where they'll do the same thing to Frank Miller, but it's, like, so referential to that dude. And, like, that, like you know, they always put Dark Knight Returns shit out to make sure that they get mm-hmm. the money. But with, like, Alex Ross, it does feel like he, he him and, uh, was it Mark Wade or Kurt Busiek? Which Mark one? Wade. I think Kurt was Marvel's. The Marvel's, yeah. Well, like, you know, they'll they'll strip mine that shit and because it's all tangential, you know, it's mm-hmm. like like there's so many characters in there that by this point, like that character of Thunder or Lightning, whichever one it was like she they he they created her in that. And then she had like trickled down into the mainstream DC universe to where she was in like a bunch of other shit herself and like, mm-hmm. you know, like outsiders and all this stuff. And yeah, like at that point, like he was the genesis of it. But like. You know, DC can just be like, well, that's all just, like, based on some other shit that we had anyways, yeah. you know? It's a, it's a miracle that DC didn't, like, steal Alex Cross's dad, who was the, <laughs> he was the face model for the old yeah. man, the, the priest. Like, yeah, if that's... DC could have, they would have just taken his dad. Yeah, and they were like, uh, your dad belongs to, to fucking go to his, the you cemetery with the fucking... DC comic, we own your dad's likeness. Like, technically, we shouldn't dig out your father, we shouldn't, uh, you know, whatever... But we, we are here, we have the shovels, and we do own it. We do own his likeness, his face. We're having we're having someone who looks exactly like him in our next uh, crossover. We've, we can't do anything about it. We've brought a necromancer. We're going to bring him back to life. We're going to get him in the role. It's going to be a, a beautiful tribute to your father. We're going to pay you if nothing. He's de- if he's dead, I don't, I don't know. I kind of just assume. I don't, yeah, I don't want <laughs> I'm, just... I'm, I'm leaving him in limbo. I'm just talking about him as a as a. I mean, in Kingdom Come, his dad was old as shit. So, like, you know, hey, listen. That's true. Alex Ross, if you're listening, RIP to your father. Respect uh, I'm different, to your dad. <laughs> <laughs> so, we... Back to the comics news sites. That was the, the that was a little AIPT. bit of an Alex Ross A little bit of Alex Ross thing. That's, AIPT. That's interesting. There's though. also I mean, multiversity. Sorry, go ahead. No, that there's also like multiversity comics and graphic policy, like just remembering. Well, see those ones. Listen, I don't want to throw any. I don't want to throw any stones at them. Maybe just because it's my my you know Twitter followers, but neither of multiversity. Who I also you know I love the I love them. What was the other one that you said graphic policy? Yeah. Uh, nobody mentioned them They're either. Just not on the radar. Not on the radar. Sorry, losers. They're saying Sorry, that guys. they're saying that you're not hot. <laughs> <laughs> Which isn't us. It isn't us. It's them. People are talking. People hey. aren't talking actually. Yeah, th- I'm sorry. Very sad. The failing graphic policy didn't get mentioned by my <laughs> Twitter followers. Uh, we got uh, on the thing uh, sketched, which is my boy David Harper, and like I don't know, like you know, he writes long form things. The thing is, he paywalls everything. He writes, he writes interesting, you know, journalistic well pieces. Exist. Yeah, he writes interesting like pieces. He's not a real journalist like me, you know. He kind of is, is mm-hmm. in his own wave, but you know, he, he do does his journalism. He does his little podcast, and you know, I'm happy for him. You know, I've been on it a couple times. But you know, it's a it's a different thing. It's not like like David doesn't do like up to date news. So like what you're gonna get is if you go to that site, it's gonna be like, you know, oh, here's what's hot on like, you know, uh like money wise. I feel like 
his is an extreme like his is the opposite of this where it's like an extremely capitalistic endeavor <laughs> which is like you know mm-hmm. the, whatever like it's the numbers just, of what comics. he's doing it's the numbers of comics like it's a lot we're, of we're like, about the soul of comics that's that's absolutely the difference the, the key difference is that a lot of that stuff is like oh if you're looking to invest your money in comics look, look back issues are hot right now you know it's like yeah, yeah. he's like the weirdos that do like Pokemon and like ba- baseball card unboxings, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, he's like, get get you the death of Superman in the plastic bag. It's gonna be worth a lot. I mean, because all that stuff is coming into value, and I'm not hundred percent sure why. Like a lot of that, like you know, the nineties mem- are back. Yeah, but it just seems weird to me. Like because again, like it's just a bubble again. But I don't know. The, it's that dude Gary V. I think he helped bring back the baseball popularity. You know who that guy is? No clue. Gary V is like a self help guru. Like he's, but he's like for like douchebags. He's like a guy <laughs> who like is like, yo, what you got to do is get your mind in the right headspace to go out there and make deals. <laughs> you know, like it's really deals. like, yeah, I, I've I've seen him on like sneaker shows, and I know that he's just like, you know, Instagram influencers like. Their 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 hero, their god, because he just made a lot of money just being inspirational and like investing is, his is money. This, is this someone who who I might have seen like in an ad in front of a YouTube video? He's like, no, hey, I don't think so. I'm here in my in my Ferrari, and you're no. wondering to yourself, how did I get in this Ferrari? Do you have you seen? Those? I was just is that like, the kind of ads that you get on YouTube? I, I feel like most people have gotten those ads. <laughs> uh, like back I, I've when kind I. Of, I've kind of broken my mm-hmm. algorithm on YouTube. I watch like yeah. the weirdest shit. I watch You get that same ad but in Russian. <laughs> I watch a lot of some Russian random Russian man. I watch uh, a lot of Russian vlogs, uh Russian vlogs and fighting. I watch a lot of beauty YouTubers, a lot of shoe YouTubers, a lot of uh cobbling like the shoe thing had developed has now went into a cobbling ASMR video space. Mm. Watch a lot of skateboarding videos. Like, uh, you this know, is like a mood board for, for your mind politics. And like, you know, then I'll just put on like joy division, uh, unknown pleasures, like full album and just listen to that for like eight hours straight. <laughs> so like my YouTube doesn't know what the fuck I'm trying to buy. It's just, I, I it don't doesn't, know. It doesn't know how to do advertisement to you. It just gave up on me. It's just like, a, they're like, this guy's a lost cause. We're never going to like, I, I think they're like, oh, so maybe we could sell him on like you know sneakers and yeah like you could have but that ship has sailed <laughs> you know no more so that guy he might have been back from that era but no i've just seen him because he's just very well known like he's just like famous for being uh like an influencer uh inspirational speaker you know like i'm is sure he goes on like the name, logan is his last name vaynerchuk yeah, but I think it goes like Gary V E E is what he goes by. Oh, okay. Let me see. Yeah. Okay. I recognize his face now. Yeah. Well, anyways, I recognize the... his face, but I have no idea uh, what he does or why he does it. Money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's an interesting thing because you know, like going back to the Alex Ross thing, there's there's. Mm-hmm. There's value in the ideas that are in comics, like the IP or whatever, but sometimes that gets so disassociated from the actual comics and like, like with this Warper stuff, like the, the storytelling matters less than the physical copy 
that you buy and there's like there's value intrinsic in the object because of what's in it but that's separate from like the real money of comics which is like the idea in it is valuable to these companies which is the only reason it still exists you know what i mean like the only yeah. reason people are allowed to make you know any kind of shit is because Hollywood is like, well, maybe we'll throw you a bone and you'll, we'll give you some money and then you can sort of subsist on that while you live your little dream, you know? Yeah, like there's a there's a separation of the audience which values the object as uh, something of value. Yeah. And they try to make a market out of this object and the actual value is within the, the actual value which the companies know is within the intellectual properties that are being generated and used uh, basically freely as as uh, as money production well, in, machines in in the in the conglomerate comics yeah yeah in, in, yeah. like for them it's like it's a it's a tax write off like and yeah, you for know, Warner the, Brothers for Marvel like it's yeah. just producing uh what the content is going to be it's like what I'm seeing from like. Uh, the Hawkeye. Uh, everybody's like sharing Hawkeye stills or like production shots, and it looks exactly like the Matt Fraction David Aya comic. Um, and uh, WandaVision looks very much like uh the the comic that uh, what's his name? Um, Tom King. I'm blanking on the artist's name. Um, yeah, Tom King. Yeah, the, but the artist Gabriel Gabriel something. I never Walta, read or... Walta. That's what I thought. Yeah. Is that Walta? Okay. Yeah, I mean, sh- yeah, but like, his, I never his, read that his aesthetic was very was very uh well defined and and if, and it feels like like there is that sort of like R&D department that is is an incredible write-off for for the the development of intellectual properties that the companies make billions off of. Yeah. Well, like and and specifically like a lot of those um like a lot of those a lot of those companies now they're like i i've gotten to sh- shit on twitter about this but i i say it's so fucked and i think we had a conversation with Aubrey about it but it's so fucked that when these companies have to tighten their belts those media companies uh there's always room there's always room for money in the movies and TV because, you know, even though movies right now, you can't make money on them because they're all going to streaming and stuff. And the TV shows, you know, more and more people are cutting cable. So it's just like, you know, a $9 a month sort of subscription that you're getting from people. Um, mm-hmm. Like that is still more valuable than being able to sell a comic to people. You know, you know I'm, I'm assuming the markup for them to print it, like, it's got to be substantial, but they just don't own every part of that distribution and sale, selling it in stores and all this shit. And I think with DC, it felt like for a while, the company was like, well, let's see how we can, you know, figure out a way that we can do this. And now it's like much more draconian where like, you know, they fired all those people. They laid off an entire division of like the the toy department or whatever. You know, some of my editors that were like super passionate about comics, you know, they got let go. Because they were making books that, you know, were, I think, like, of a higher quality. And they had to hire, you know, better artists to do them. You know, like, the black and white book came out. It's amazing looking. Mm -hmm. And that was an Andy project. You know what I mean? Like, nobody, I don't think anybody else 
would have spearheaded that the way that that dude did because he just and it's loves one of the that projects shit. that's getting the the most buzz right now. It's one of the projects yeah. that's being most talked about, like in terms of like just a prestige book. I mean, like for comic fans, you want to see cool shit, and like Mark Doyle, Andy Curry were two guys that fundamentally understood what comic book fans think is cool shit, and I think the the fact that they were let go maybe speaks to the fact that the companies they don't see that as having the same value as people that are going to make like continuity comics which you know there's value in that i don't i don't want to like one thing i don't want to do is suggest that like people who read like sort of month to month books are like you know less savvy or whatever because i think that stuff is like as important to the industry's like sort of you know just mm-hmm. like it, it, it's the fundamental cornerstone of comics, like you know, I would I wouldn't want to say that like those kind of books don't mean anything. Like that's why yeah. I that's why when we talked about Dan Slott a couple weeks ago, I was very, you know, I've never read those comics because that's just not the kind of stuff that I read. But I was very I was very hesitant to say like that he's not a good writer or like that that what he does what he makes in in comics isn't like worthwhile. You know what I mean? Um because that like cuz the thing is for me the content does matter and even though i don't read that content somebody does that's what they're going to fucking love it'd be like me saying like the young adult line books are fucking trash cuz i don't like that's not what appeals to me you know what i mean yeah everyone should have uh, a space and those those continuity comics those comics that are like in their uh, thousand number and they've been going into like full long year long uh arcs they're for someone as well (laughs) right i mean like as a as a you know as a socialist and like as somebody who admires like you know the systems and everything like not the capitalist system but the ability to produce at that level like continuously Mm -hmm. like you know as a cog or whatever I just value the cogs. That's all. That's the only, that's, that's yeah. the, that's yeah, the yeah, point. Yeah. Right. Like, so, you know, I, I find it. It's yeah, important I, to, to focus on who to, who to actually yeah. criticize. Circling back. That's why I find like the, the, like, you know, I just saw like on, on uh, David Harper's like sketch thing that he had a, a thing about comics. Hottest game is back issues. And it's like a long form piece about, how, you know, speculators and all this stuff there, big money is in buying, like, vintage comics from, like, that era of, like, you know, the back issue boxes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that is something that was interesting as, like, a like I raised my eyebrow at it. But being a person that just doesn't, you know, have the same sort of, like, capitalist desires about the shit, I'm just like, whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's just yeah, not it what... Feels, it feels kind of alien speculators and all that stuff that's never been a, for, for like what i like about comics like i don't know about you but when you when you started collecting comics um did how many did you buy what condition were they in i have no clue uh um, like when did you start collecting comics um i when i when i was in college basically i that, yeah. that was when i first had a pull list Mm-hmm. Um, everything before that was picking out whatever I could find that was just on racks. Same. Um, Same, but like, but... did you ever go for anything because you thought it might be valuable? Oh, no. It was just um, 
th- that was the storyline that had me hyped, uh, and I was really excited to read. For example, um, I'm 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 trying to think like the first storyline that I completely followed, uh, like beginning, like probably honestly, it was probably like Remender's X Force, um, and it's it's a it's a late book, but around that time was when I finally found a comic book shop, which are like rare down here and that was when i was like i saw the preview for the first issue and i needed to see like more jerome opeña art and then i got hooked into the broader story but it was never it was never a thing of um i've never speculated on getting a book thinking oh this is gonna be the one that's it's always funny because there's there's been a lot of new characters that have been introduced like i i I think spider-man at one point had like this blonde white kid sidekick for like a couple of issues i don't remember when it was but they really tried to sell it to you like this was the introduction of the next hero and this might this is gonna be big and it might be worth it to like this was when marvel was doing like 10 variants uh like incentive uh comic shop incentive variants and i just didn't get it i didn't understand what the purpose was other than to force comic book shops to buy 25 of a thing so that they can get one thing that'll be worth more on the off chance that this matters at all yeah yeah like when i when i got it it was just be when i started getting comics it was just like this art is sick like and i want to like I want to draw, so I would look at comics and like kind of try to take, like try to figure out, internalize what I liked about the drawings and stuff, right? So like mm-hmm. I would buy a book and just thrash it, and I still I still do. Like all of my favorite comics are like completely fucked; they have no covers, like you know. But I've always thought that like you know, the the value is not in the physical object, um, like that that increasing in value the value is what i can get from it you know and it's just at odds with i think the way the way i think that you make money in comics <laughs> you know what i mean yeah i think the, like, the only the it's... only exception to that is like sketch covers which is like you're adding an actual value to the object that yeah, makes I, it honestly i just hate doing important. those anyways because i'd rather just draw with no logo on the cover <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, I'll do them uh, though. If anybody's oh, listening, was, I'll get, if you pay me, I'll do them. But yeah, um, cons, like, I, I cons, I do them, and I like the challenge of it. But it, yeah. like you know, I've had friends give me them, and be like, "Oh yeah, you can just fuck around with this." I'm like, "Okay, cool." And then I was, I'd rather just draw on regular paper. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I, if if the option was like, let me just draw a normal commission, I will do that more. Yeah. But, but no, but yeah, comic no, like, books and, value is in is is not in 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 the object itself like yeah. anytime somebody would talk to me in that language uh it, it like usually it would, be, it would be somebody from like uh from from business degrees like when right. i was in college if, if they heard of comics they'd be like oh yeah those are uh some of them are worth something that's like the only <laughs> thing that they've known or understood about comics yeah that there is a my, speculative value my buddy uh at you know uh when we were younger 
he had like a crazy comic collection because he would just buy everything. And, mm-hmm. you know, some of this stuff would go up in value and some of it, you know, not so much. And because, you know, the the bulk majority of comics that you buy, the only value that they really have is what, you know, you get from it, you know. And I remember mm-hmm. he was trying to sell some to get more money to buy comics, you know, because was like an addict and shit. And so he put on a Craigslist uh, at, you know, thing saying that he was selling these books. And this one guy. Uh, was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I want to buy some. Can you meet me at this, like, you know, uh, at this parking lot? And he, he was like, well, I don't want to get jumped. Can you go come with me? I was like, oh, all right, yeah. Like, you know, I think it's he like... He told a, you? A, to yeah, I was him? like, it, yeah, yeah. I'm like, it's a stretch that some guy's going to jump you for these books. But I'll go with you, you know? So I went, and uh, it was like this, you know, 40-something-year-old, like, dude... Who was like, you know, it looked like middle class, like upper middle class, like white dude. He had a nice car. And, you know, my friend has like this long box full of books. And the guy's like, well, what's the most valuable stuff that you have in there? And like, you know, to a person who loves comics, like, well, all of them, right? Yeah, yeah. But monetarily, I guess you're thinking about like, this one might have some value. This one might have. And then he like is going, well, can, like, can I look at them on eBay to see how much they're going for? Oh, my God. I am. And. Yeah, it I'm was suffering the most uh-huh. miserable experience of my life when I'm just like sitting there just like, yo, who is this fucking guy? You know, and I would see him at cons after that. And he was the kind of dude who would like, you know, has mm-hmm. like uh, like sunglasses like on his on his forehead, you know, <laughs> like like that kind uh-huh. of dude, like this real like yuppie kind of fucking white dude. And he had like, you know, the the, the rolling box full of shit and like, um, you know. I was probably just getting their stuff signed so that he could like, you know, flip yeah. it or whatever. But like, that is who I think is thriving right now with that speculator boom. If there's a second wave that's happening, like that's the kind of dude who's like crushing it. You know what I mean? So is it like what actually, um, but before you answer that, I, I, now that you mention it, I was on Facebook because I'm still on there. And Mike Hawthorne, the current Deadpool uh, Daredevil artist okay. um, from from Marvel, he was mentioning that his a uh, comic of his uh, that he drew the cover for for uh, the first uh, appearance of one of these uh, Mandalorian characters, uh, the <laughs> the girl Mandalorian. Sure. Um, he drew the first appearance cover of that character and he was remarking on it, uh, being, uh, uh, high up on the speculation, whatever, yeah, I've had, whatever, I've had whatever stuff, like, I remember a buddy of mine told me like, oh, you know, this very, this Valiant cover that you did, it's going for like, you know, a couple hundred bucks because it's like a one of, you know, 25 or something. And I was like, "Oh shit, that's crazy." He's like, "Do you have any?" I'm like, "I, I guess I don't." <laughs> are you trying to are you trying to sell it? Like, what? <laughs> what are you trying to why get? You like 125 me? bucks? Off yeah. Of are you gonna Are you gonna pay me a couple hundred bucks? And they're just like, "Well, no." I'm like, "Okay, well, I mean, I'll give it to you, but yeah, like uh, at least pay me sixty and like make the rest off of it. Like, let's do like a fifty fifty thing." Um. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, where is okay? So your friend, he's. Uh, uh, 
talking about the numbers of comics and he's talking about this speculation on back issues where is this exchange going on is it like just ebay because i don't i don't see this conversation occurring in twitter people talking about uh comics as speculator uh objects well where where is did you read any of the article uh did you i I scrolled through it it looks like um you know like like graded comics well the thing is here's the i don't know like full uh sealed I don't have a I don't have a monthly subscription or a quarterly or long form only one, <laughs> but <laughs> so I don't know the full thing. But I know like it was talking about like CGC and all this kind of shit, you know. So yeah, um, yeah, it's I. But you know, I've I've heard about that happening though because I've heard that in the pandemic for some reason like collectibles have gone up in value, and I, I saw this. you know I just I just don't know what that means. Yeah, I saw this uh, episode. I don't know if it was it was a clip also on Facebook. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm on Facebook. Um, I saw this clip of uh, Pawn Stars, and this guy had like one of the original prints of the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comic, and there was like this base amount that he wanted, which was like in the ten thousands. Um, and the Pawn Star dude still wanted to like get it down. Like, what the fuck? This is like. A near mint. They brought in like a comics expert to like tell him like, yeah, no, this is uh, probably the closest uh, you're gonna get to a perfect copy. Um, and the pawn shop dude uh, was. It's like it was literally the meme. He's like, I don't know. I can give you maybe five thousand for it. Like absolute con man. Yeah, I there was that show Comic Book Man, and their whole thing was like Pawn Stars, but for comics and stuff, and like. I liked the podcast that that came from, like, Tell Him Steve Dave, like, you know, years and years ago. So I watched, I remember watching a few episodes of it and just being like, yeah, like, this is so disconnected from my, from what I like about comics, which is just, like, you know, mm-hmm. the, the stories and the ideas and stuff. Um, but anyways, like, let's let's move on from that yeah. to... Uh, comics news. It, yeah, back... Our, mm-hmm. the, the next site that some people were saying was The Beat. It's the blog of comics culture. Which, you know, still has film and TV, video games, sales charts, <laughs> like, on the top list of, like, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it, that this one also functions, like you said, where it's mostly, like... Um, it's exactly the same format. I'm going through graphic policy, multiversity. Um, it is... A, I don't know who made these people all have the same website format. Yeah, but, like, it's it's interesting, because, like you said earlier, a lot of these, they just function as just, like, a place for press releases to go out. And I, I just wonder, like, is that, does that get them hits? Is that, like, valuable to anybody? Like, because, I, you know, the way I, in, the way I see that kind of stuff is, like, uh, uh, it used to be the creator would at least tweet the link to that article, but now they don't even really have to do that, because the companies can just put it on their own website. <laughs> so, like, if you yeah, want to the see same. Them, yeah, mm-hmm. like you can go to like the dccomics.com. There's no like editorializing and I wonder do people like just not want it, you know? Like is that just not a thing that is even of interest? The comics be is like good by the way. Like, you know, I, I Yeah. You, I'm scrolling through it and there's like other stuff in there that's interesting, but it's probably just like drowned. the reviews. Whenever you get into like the reviews, there's actually some uh opinion going on, yeah. some some thoughts. 
It is but... just drowned in things like exclusive Gal Gadot and Patty Jenkins spill on all things Wonder Woman. But <laughs> it's definitely I mean? like, not. Who, who gives it a shit? It is not the first page. It is not. Uh, you have to scroll way down to get any kind of substance. Yeah. The other one that people mentioned was Xavier Files, um, which is pretty good. Uh, like, you know, the I've, I've seen people I think I interact with people who write for that on Twitter. And, you know, I, I've, you know, looking at the website and it is more like, you know, it's a lot of reviews. It's a lot of that kind of stuff, too. But, you know, that is more along the lines of the stuff that I would have probably liked when I was younger and getting into this. One thing that I noticed on the top is uh, there's an ultra is a thing about Ultraman number four. Which is the uh, the Marvel one? Kyle Higgins, the Kyle Higgins, Matt Groom, uh, and other people. There's <laughs> like a lot of people mm-hmm. in here, but they're like uh, Marvel Ultraman book, and I I thought it was interesting. Well, well, I don't know if one thing just like talking about comics trends, right? But I, I find it interesting how much of the like you know Japanese like sort of 1980s 1990s like culture is just like extremely popular in comics right now like i i think i missed the fucking memo about this like because i just didn't care about that shit when i was younger you know what i mean but like yeah it uh, seems ka- like kaiju culture or, or kaiju mechs? culture yeah i think people people said i i tweeted about it a couple weeks ago because i saw like a like umpteenth comic about this kind of stuff come out called toku heroes something like that and I'm like, what the fuck is that? And there's, like, really any, like, Japanese thing where somebody wears a suit. And I feel like, you know, uh, I feel like if I was if I was an Asian creator, I'd be a little bit like, yo, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> everybody's real flagrant with the cultural, like, you know, stuff that that is, like, very specific to Asian culture. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, there, there's a, there's a, I feel like, I don't know if you're talking about the same cover for that Ultraman book that I'm that I that I saw, but well, I don't even know anyone specifically. But I know like my buddy no. James Heron is doing like a sick looking Ultraman yeah, no, book but the, that he's the, been working on the for actual, a while. Is that the, the one like the Ultramania? Thing? No, I mean I mean the actual Ultraman, uh, Marvel's Ultraman book had a cover I, and I it was didn't just like know Japanese that there was an Ultraman uh, book until castle, yesterday. cherry blossoms. Like there's oh, there's there this really? very strange. Yeah, like there's this thing that uh, some of these companies do, like when they are uh, appropriating uh, Japanese culture, they're 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 just making it like uh, generic Asian, or they'll take like the most like if if an actual Japanese person had drawn that cover, they would probably just draw like a sprawling city, like just a very dense city, because that's what a lot of uh, the the uh, Japanese or anime. I'm not I'm not an expert here, but I've definitely like consumed uh, a lot. Yeah, I mean, of, you're uh, you're anime. a weeb in other sorts, so I'm I'm a weeb. I'm I'm definitely a weeb, but I I know that that doesn't give me like a license to. No, I know to to gatekeep. Uh, I'm not uh, some kind of a uh, uh, Yoshida san. If, if yeah, I'm if not. I, I I'm not either. But like my context is always. Um, oh yeah, I'm seeing. But I mean, don't you feel about. the same way when you see uh, Luchador stuff? That's exactly what I was gonna say. <laughs> like I, okay. I, I got caught up because I saw this cover, but that's exactly what I was gonna say. Which is like I'm, 
I'm not like into that stuff. I'm the thing is like I'm not I'm not Asian. I'm not Japanese. I'm not you know I, I I'm not that's not my cultural thing. But I remember the moment when it became the coolest thing to have a luchador in your comic. That was a hot luchador every, moment. Every time it would come up, I would it would drive me fucking crazy because I'm like. That is not how those masks are constructed. That is not like it, this is not real luchador culture. It's do, it does it. They're they're not re- like they're they are wrestlers. You know what I mean? Like whenever mm-hmm. I would see stuff and people just like like the aesthetic of it, and that is Mexican culture to them, it would drive me fucking nuts. And so that has gone out of fashion for like Latino stuff. But what's very in fashion now is just like Day of the Dead shit. Where yes, every yeah. every day of the dead shit is shorthand for, uh, like Latino stuff. It, yeah, it does, not not even specifically Mexican. Uh, What's that? Skull face paint, flower face paint, anything like that. Um, like those braids. Um, <laughs> yeah, there, it, it, there it was feels a... it feels like the 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 Native American headdress. <laughs> yeah in terms of but cultural like, appropriation where everyone will just paint their faces skull style like sugar skulls yeah i feel a little bad because i feel like i i, I you know kind of knock rick remender around at least once a week <laughs> like it's always it's always a stray because you know he's out here doing stuff like the thing is i mean we we're just talking X-Force. real talk and if somebody catches a, a little bit of a fade i mean it's listen we love it, x-force we love frankencastle yeah you know it's it's all it's yeah, all it, love but it's nothing personal, Sonny. It's I saw Deadly. Business. I didn't. I haven't watched Deadly Class. I have some of the comics. Like I have them, but I've never read them. Um, and there's a character in there. I just saw because there was a there's a really well drawn cover where there's a woman in. Oh, there's like a character in there called Maria, and she mm-hmm. has like Day of the Dead face paint. Which again, mm-hmm. I'm just like every time mm-hmm. I see it, I'm thinking this shit is corny looking. Like who got um, consulted on this one? Yeah, like nobody, but the character is wearing like a salsa, like you know, salsa dancing yeah, dress, not the, like a. Mm-hmm. What's up? No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I'm following you. Yeah, like she's wearing like a salsa dancing dress, not which is uh, like a Puerto Rican, Cuban, like New York West Coast, I mean East Coast yeah. thing. It's not like you know, my mother, my mother traveled the world in like a dance troupe of like you know Mexican folk dancers. Like it's not like. There aren't specific kinds of dresses. Yeah, you mean like the shoulders the out, the shoulders out, blouse. They're based on like the the women that fought in like the Revolutionary War. Like it's, uh-huh. you know, like the big skirt, like the big skirt that is not form fitting, like a salsa dancing dress. But it's the kind of thing where it's like people don't care about that shit. To them, it's like, well, that looks Mexican. Like it is, you know, like, you know, whatever. It's more like Spanish, like, you know, Spaniard. Yeah. Yeah, Shit, Spanish, it's generic like a, Spanish. It's hard for me when I get upset with that to not think when I see, you know, people just sort of like doing weeb shit or like, you know, this this Ultraman shit and not be like, oh, interesting. Like, how would I feel if I was Asian and I, you know, I, I took a lot of pride in that kind of kind of cultural language and just to see it like appropriated in that way. I'm not saying like it's a cancelable offense or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, no, we're, we're I just... just I just find it interesting, you know? I find yeah. it interesting that a lot of people feel comfortable doing that. It, it is it is definitely um, uh, playing with... 
I guess there's a line in which you're playing with creative tropes, but like we're at a point in our society where those creative tropes are officially people who can speak out and, <laughs> right. and people who have who have as much of a, a of of talent and 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 a desire to uh, use these ideas for themselves and. Um, that's that's where i feel like it's a little bit different with the japanese thing like uh, in terms of representing uh mexican culture or latino culture i will feel a lot more of a of an offense but in terms of uh japanese culture there is a sort of like um uh the japanese people uh, in anime for example aren't really going through any kind of uh oppression yeah well like you know um, i'll just put it this way there's this dude this dude uh kyle higgins he's the mm-hmm. one who's doing he's the one who's doing the ultraman comic uh i think i've met the dude once or twice nice guy you know people that i know are like mutual friends with him i'm sure a great dude but i find it interesting that he did the power rangers book he got he got like kind of hot off of that which is like, you know, it's an American port of like a Japanese show. And then yeah. he took that success and now he's doing an Ultraman comic, which is just straight up a Japanese show that they're yeah. making an American comic of. It's about yeah. like an, a Japanese guy. Okay. And yeah, there's definitely whatever, weird. better people. And now he's doing a book called Radius Black or something. And mm-hmm. it's basically like him porting power rangers which is already kind of just like a port of the the japanese like sentai stuff from what i understand so like it's interesting that there's a guy who can build a career off of just doing books that are like you know like whitewashed japanese stuff um for people who think that stuff is cool and again like no offense to the dude i'm sure he's a great guy or whatever but if i was a japanese writer i know like Japanese American, Japanese whatever, I know for a fact that I would feel some type of way about that. Just like if I saw a white, you know, man or woman who just did comics about Latino characters over and over and over, and that mm-hmm. was how they were like building a brand, because there is a, like I, we talked about IP and like the Alex Ross shit earlier, there is value in building a brand that is not white right now because you can get top tier white creators to give top tier white stories to the studios. Those are a dime a dozen, but you don't have stories about people of color. And those are also very valuable because all these companies get hit for diversity, like lack of diversity in their shit. So like these companies, they are looking for stories. They're looking for IP about non-white people. And it is a bit predatory to me when I see people who are white writers who have made have made comics about white people. That's their experience, whatever, whatever. And they steal cultural elements. They steal, you know, stories from that stuff. Even if they do it with the best possible intention, to mm-hmm. me, it looks kind of crazy. Completely. I completely agree. Like, you don't it- you don't disagree. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I I I don't disagree. I it, it's a little bit like the ghost in the shell situation with 
it became kind of a meme where Scarlett Johansson, it was crazy that she was the person playing uh, the Asian main character of the series. But um, it it is very much about um, Japanese Americans. Yeah. It's about the American phenomena where there are very much Japanese Americans, uh, people of Japanese culture in in America who could have very easily uh, represented those ideas uh, much more faithfully. And even with the artists, like there some like I've some of what I've seen of this. I, I, like, I'm not, Ultraman I'm not thing. read ghosts in a show. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, like I have, I haven't seen too much of the the Ultraman uh, comic specifically, but whenever uh, these books come out, they'll get a normal comic book artist to interpret Japan, and it'll always feel off. Like they'll always, it's like they're all drawing the kid from Indiana Jones, mm. like the white hat, black hair. It, they're all drawing exactly the same kid. And they're not in any way touching on the the style and fashion that actual Japanese people put into Japanese character design in anime, for example. Yeah, it, yeah it, totally. It, it like, feels... mm-hmm. I was gonna say, like, that's the other thing. Like, you know, I talk about that, Rick. You know, that Deadly Class cover. It's like well done, like fucking great looking. But there's not attention to detail as to how people actually dress in that culture. And like, you know, I did a book called uh, Nighthawk at Marvel, and it was like a it was a comic about a black superhero. And I felt fairly comfortable doing that kind of thing because, you know, like I said, I watch create I just watch YouTube videos like crazy. But I did so much research for how like a cool like black like rich like kind of Bruce Wayne type of character would dress. Mm-hmm. And how, like, his sidekick character is, like, a, a younger, cool chick, whatever, would dress. And, like, I did, I feel like a lot of due diligence to make sure it felt authentic. And, you know, people, like, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, black, you know, fans came up to me and said that they loved that thing. And I don't think, I don't think, like, me being not, like, not, I don't think me not being black disqualifies me from like drawing that. And I don't think like a non, you know, Japanese artist could do that. But if you do do it, like, I don't know, pay attention, like do a little yeah. bit of research. Yeah. <laughs> you uh, know? See what the, and, see what and that's the, the, other, that's the thing like. about like the, that's the thing about the Kyle thing, which is like, you know, Kyle and, you know, I, I don't mean to dogpile on him, but there's, uh, you could, you could do all the research into that as you want, whatever, whatever. But it's just like, it's a bad look. You know what I mean? Yeah, but even even with him, like I don't understand like Power Rangers is not a one to one to Ultraman. Like yeah. if you Well, yeah, it's it is if, shocking that Marvel would hire a white guy to do a Japanese story. Yeah, That's like sho- Power That's... Rangers Power Rangers makes sense. Power Rangers is is an American phenomena. Uh, separate yeah, yeah, yeah. from the Sentai stuff that they adapted, it's it's a it's an American creation in its hybridness. Oh, yeah, and but, the Radiant the... Black book looks and the Radiant Black book looks cool. So like, and mm. it's not about a Japanese person; it's about a white guy who whatever. Yeah, but it, do you remember you know, the? Did you ever the watch the Guy movie? The aesthetic is the thing. It's the aesthetic the same way. Like if there was like a luchador character who's like a white guy in a luchador suit, yeah, I would be a little bit like that's interesting. I don't know why you would do that. 
did you ever catch the the Giver movie? It's like an old uh, sci-fi channel type movie. Oh, I love Giver. Yeah, man, that's a manga though. Yeah, it, th- that's the thing. It, it was an American adaptation of the Giver anime and uh, the the ma- the manga. Um, yeah. But it. I don't know. It, it it was it was in a time where I guess people weren't thinking about it that much. But uh, the little bit of preview I saw from this uh, radiant black book or whatever, it felt it felt a little bit like they were doing a Giver thing. And once oh, it's 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 his own property, that's cool. But like the 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 reason I brought up Power Rangers to Ultraman is this fact that like. Uh, Ultraman is 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 an actual Japanese creation that operates under uh, a Japanese sort of like world logic, and yeah. I can understand an a, an American person who grows up on Power Rangers to appreciate that and and work from it, but it's not like the Marvel making the decision that if he can write Power Rangers, he's gonna write Ultraman. It it doesn't doesn't make too much sense like i'm i'm pretty yeah. sure that there is plenty of people who could have uh done basically we're saying listen kyle higgins if you're listening we are watching you <laughs> you're yeah. watching you man you, you're you're on you know you got you got two strikes and a ball we'll just put i'm it gonna actually way. read those books i'm gonna read those books and i'm gonna, gonna find out if they're any huh? you know I, like i said I, I just find it fascinating i you know like, yeah, it, like the capital, the capital of comics, the ethereal sort of like investment that that is being made when you create a comic book is can this get made into a movie or TV show or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Especially with creator owned, like the other stuff, like one of them is an adaptation, well, two of them are adaptations, and one of them is a creator owned thing. But if if that is what is out there, if that is where the money is, if that's where you're drilling for oil or what, you yeah. know. Like, I will say this: Do you do you own the land rights? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I, it's 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 skeptical. It's questionable. You're on questionable grounds right now. You're drilling, and we don't know if if that is Native American. Yeah. Uh, reservation. Yeah, like the the. You don't know if at some point you're going to uh, hit a, a a vein of uh, somebody. Like you don't know if you're going to hit a nerve. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. You don't know if you're um, drilling on a burial ground. That's how pet cemeteries happen. Exactly. You don't that. But what I will say, what I was gonna say is, uh, as long as as long as we are checking him, I will give him props for the fact that um, up up until these past couple of years, I don't think anybody really had been giving a fuck about Power Rangers. Like. That's I feel not like true. The... I have I have fan art from Power Rangers that was no no. But what I'm Tumblr. saying is I feel How like the, the Boom very Studios. Dare you. I feel like the Boom Studios Power Rangers comics. If he is the person who um, uh, undertook those books, no, uh, that's just it's just that's just wrong, Daniel. Because I've been going to comic conventions for so long. If they brought a Power Ranger out, that Power Ranger would have a line, dude. And I'm not, like, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying that these people don't have a. a no, I'm saying the fans lasting... were there. He just happened to write the fucking no, no, no. book. I'm, That's all. I'm not saying that that these characters don't have a lasting impression on people. I'm saying that 
oh, maybe I should be attributing it to Dan Mora making everything look cool. But or the fucking uh, movie that just came out. Like, what are you talking about? There was that there was that viral video not that long ago where it's like, what if the Power Rangers were realistic? And that was like that thing did like millions of views. Yeah, but the movie is the movie good? Was did the movie Well, I'm talking about there well. was a movie and there was like a YouTube thing. Like people have been waiting for Power Rangers content. I think like it's a 20-year cycle. Like uh, granted, he might have wrote great Power Rangers comics. I'm just saying that there it's not it's not a like, whoa, how did you think of Power Rangers? Like the Power Rangers wave what like it's a 20-year cycle of nostalgia. It's uh, 20 years are up. It's time for Power Rangers. That's the thing. So basically, no credit to Kyle Higgins. Sorry, never mind. Retracting. I'm sure you wrote some great comics, but the Power Rangers were, we're taking it back without you or not. Anybody could have written those books as long as Dan Mora drew them. It <laughs> Sorry, been Kyle. Fine. Better start. Better start your Pokemon and Digimon comics. That's what I'm saying. He's gonna make <laughs> uh, uh, his own hey, Pokemon should... and Digimon. If anybody can appropriate that stuff, Daniel, let's me and you make our own Pokemon story. Maybe we can make a bunch of money. And Joker then we Mon. can be the problematic ones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. Actually, like, no joke. I am I am uh, going to make my own mech comic. And and that's mech like another. Comic? What does that even mean? Like a about? giant a robot. Comic? Giant robot comic. Um, yeah. Who isn't? We're all going to do that. Robots are fun. <laughs> That's the, but that's the thing. Like uh, I, I've seen a but lot. But you know of, what, though. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no. There, there's also been a resurgence of uh, uh, that genre as well. Yeah, well, I, I, I might do one too, but my approach is going to be entirely different because there is a giant Mexican robot named Troca, who was created oh. by the Mexican government to do. Uh, it was like stories that they told to kids, where it's like a giant robot created by like scientists and stuff. And his whole thing was he would go around the Mexican countryside stomping out super superstition. So, like, they would tell stories about this guy overcoming, like, you know, because the church was getting too powerful That's in, like, awesome. when he was created. So they made, like, little, uh, there's a lot of, like, little art. and it's like an ideological uh, radio... robot. Yeah, it's a robot who, like, just goes around crushing churches and letting kids know, like, no, kids believe in science. <laughs> so uh, I might I might do, like, a short of that actually like legit like it's been it's been on my you could you could look it up it's been on yeah my yeah no I, i've seen you draw i've seen you draw troca yeah it's not because i'm a big fan of giant i'm not i'm not a gigantor stan you're, you know? you're doing you're doing it for your own culture that's right and look if i was white i would have so many cultural things that i would pull on you know um i'm just saying try it what what you know? is what are some some white culture some, that we can some appropriate. good white stuff what's what's some Dude, of the if good i was witches thing. if i was white if i was a white person knights all i would do is just 90s thriller comics just like you know the kind of stuff where it's like a dude who's just mission like, impossible you know, like, a, like just eric roberts and ambulance that's it oh hell yeah just like 90s straight to straight to vhs thrillers that's that's your lane just do it you know that's have fun the culture um, like, you know, I okay. might, I might do a beef bros comic. I don't know. I, that, I'm just saying like, yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying like, you know, there's, there, there are lanes for these people to do. It's weird that, that the, the giant robot, like Ultraman the, and Power Rangers and all this stuff. It's it just, it's just, like I said, it feels weird. That's all. 
I think we maybe spent too much time <laughs> talking looking about at that, it away. But... Actually, like, no, it just reminds me of this, the conversation we were having with Artyom. We should get Artyom over here to have... Nah, he doesn't want to... Extend this conversation at some point. He's okay. a, he, he doesn't want to. He's a hater. Oh, no. I, uh, he, I think his accent is even thicker than Gleb's, and he feels in, uh, self-conscious uh, about it. Okay. I understand. I, I um, We still love him. Yeah, well, you know, but just going back to, like, the disparate sort of, you know, comics media landscape, you know, there's still, like, we not, we hadn't talked about it, but there's still Bleeding Cool, which is, like, kind of the same. Like, it's weird that Bleeding Cool basically functions in the same landscape as all of these other companies. You know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. all these other, like, different blogs. And I know, like, part of the reason why is, like, there's probably just, like, no money in it. But, but part of the reason why is because there is no, like the value of comics has been so detached from like, like being a fan of it for like the, the love and joy of it. And, you know, I know there are still people that do that. Obviously I still think the majority of those people do. I think it's a small subsection of people that are speculators or whatever, whatever. But I feel like the way from like a, because of capitalism, (laughs) because of capitalism, it's made it so it's harder to be a fan now than it was when I was a fan. And I, I, I really do. Yeah, feel we that lost way. something. And we did lose something with uh, the comics website culture. I mean, like when when Comics Alliance got bought out by I think it was AOL. Yeah, it was the beginning of the end. I, it was it was a crushing it was a crushing defeat. And I think like now like CBR is part of or CBR is owned by somebody else. I can't remember who. Newsarama is owned by Games Radar, you know, and there's still great people working at all these. Like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, shout out my to buddy Chris Arant. Chris, yes, my buddy Chris Arant, you know, writes for Newsarama. He's like, uh, he's like the main guy there, and you know, that's awesome. I, that dude is a dude who genuinely loves the shit. When I when I posted like, what what sites are you reading? Didn't name his own shit. Just named like all the ones that he looks at. So you know, I think that the culture is still alive. But the resources to sort of, like, legitimize it and, like, the hubs are all, like, so dead. And it's it's just weird to me. And I part of the reason why this podcast, like, why I love doing it is it really has, like, just reinvigorated my love for comics, talking about comics and that sort of thing in, in ways that, like, just drawing them had, like, done the opposite. <laughs> like, well, drawing comics, it, it like, kind of can make you, like, before I started, I don't know about you. But I remember I would be online, see people tweeting or, or uh, like creators tweeting about how they don't read comics anymore. You know, in interviews, people say, oh, what are you reading? I'm like, oh, I don't read anything. And I would just be like, that's so fucking like that'll never be me because I was too I was so into it, you know. And then once I started making them, I was just like, oh, yeah, I don't got time for this shit. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you know it's, what I mean? it's it's a little heartbreaking, but that's like the step you have to take to like cross the, the curtain. You get really, really, I think, like, it's 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 talked about enough, but it really does shock you how jaded you get, how like, how fast. Like, for me, within a year, I was, like, not reading shit. <laughs> like, yeah, um, my, my pull but, list died. But for this, for this show, I've been, like, I've been, I bought some books that I've been meaning to read. I've, uh, you know, made a list of, like, stuff I want to go back to. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I, I haven't talked to you about this, but some of the ones I feel like we could just talk about it here. Like 
episodes that I wanted to get to soon. Sorry, I'm looking through my note. Um, I have, I, I go get turkey, I go get turkey sandwiches from the deli, like, every, like, That's Tuesday and spot. Thursday from when I'm working. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you have to write on the slip what you want, you know? And so I just keep my notes on the slips so I don't throw them away. <laughs> I just have, like, a shit ton of these, like, slips from the deli that have, like, notes on the back of them. But, um... Like, I wanted to do Ultimates. That was the one that I really oh, feel like... Oh, I would like, love to. Uh, I'm excited already. I really want to reread Ultimates. I want to... Kingdom Come is on there. Identity Crisis, I think, would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Civil War or Secret Invasion, like, one of those Marvel event books. Whichever one, like, kicked off. Like, there was a moment when I started reading comics where... Um, this is my era. You're talking like, about like my era for real. Yeah, like the but there was like a moment where I think when I came in where there was like an event book and then after that it seemed like the event books were so hot that now it's never ending. Like there is not event books, there's event like two year programs. I feel like comics. this was the this was the Bendis era and like I think they kicked it off for sure where it was like, like we're it gonna started do a full with thing. the new Avengers. It started with the new Avengers. That led into yeah. Civil War, and after yeah. Civil War, it was ev- one event every year, and it, it became nonstop. And like, it was like a blockbuster movie that you would at, go at, watch. Yeah, at one point, it became like, like Fear Itself. You remember Fear Itself? Stuart E. Monin drew it. Yeah, like yeah. at that point, that's when I tapped out. I love Stuart E. Monin, uh, I, but I like, tapped everyone... out. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, everyone was, like, getting their own, like, Thor weapon. Like, you could tell (laughs) at that point that they were trying to, like, create IPs. Like, uh, which was it? Uh, Secret Invasion was fun still. Um, Like, Captain America was still dead. I think Civil War was before Secret Invasion. But we can do both. I, I feel like politically it'd be really interesting to, like, see where the world was at and what the book said you know what Secret, i mean c- um, uh, civil war number one was yeah like if we're talking about like comics buying civil war number one was the one that i i i picked up and started it all over steve mcneven was probably a really 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 like that first issue was a really really big inspiration on how i saw yeah. comics i i spent a lot of time trying to draw like steve mcneven for a long time failing uh, we want to do Master Race, the Dark Knight, uh, the Dark Knight comic, because I'd never, I've never finished reading it. I have like, I have it. That's the that's a more recent one with Kubert. That's the one that that's the one that Kubert drew. Yeah, um, I'm more interested in that one than the other one that Grandpa did because that's like pretty overtly political, uh, in a way that this one maybe isn't. I don't know because I've it's read called it. the Master uh, Race, but it's I, not political. I feel like that one slipped through the radar. Like it, was it did through like. Yeah, and um, White Knight, which I think would be very fascinating. Yes, I feel I I think that that one is 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 one that we need to just culturally understand, just to figure yeah, out what, what what's going moment. on. And uh, here's the thing: if you have anything that you want to see us talk about, uh, email us at mexflintalo at gmail dot com. I set up the website. I mean, I set up the email account. Nice. I, now I just have to remember to check it, but. <laughs> I set it up so, or you can tweet at us, or you know, at Flintalo. You know, we don't get tweeted at that often. At, so at Flintalo, not us. at Max Flintalo. 
couple times. Not uh, like, yeah. Oh, people tweeted the wrong one. Yeah, people have been tweeting like, "Oh yeah, really enjoying at Mex Splintalo. It's some random person oh, who God. only likes like swimsuit pics." No, that's that sucks. That's what we get. You know, that person had a great name for a for a Twitter yeah. handle. We had a great name for a we're, podcast. We're gonna have to like get big enough, or like like there's gonna be Just like this medium out. period where we're not big enough, where there's no we we seem worthless, but we want to approach a, him uh, uh, no, on it's on fine. the name. I don't. I don't really care if he has the name. We have the. We have the brand. We have the vision. Yeah, we have the brand. We Unless have he the starts Rosie getting Perez more followers, pick. in which case it could be a problem. What's What's ironic though is like there's other ones I want to do for sure. Like Final Crisis, I think is the best event comic of all time. So like maybe we cap off doing event ones with that one. Mm-hmm. But um, it's funny because I didn't name any Grant Morrison things because. I don't. I think this could veer so easily into just being like a Grant Morrison like fan cast, and I don't want to do that. But what is ironic is now it's kind of become a a Frank Miller fan cast. Yeah, no, we've <laughs> we've been we, we've been doing multiple like, things on on Frank Miller, and we're just I feel like we're just holding we're just holding out a little bit because we could go on and on about Grant yeah. Morrison, Frank Whiteley books, hundred percent, and we know we can uh, do yeah, that, I mean, but we're we're saying I would it. also. I would love to look at the politics of like of like Wildcats and like the the nineties Wildcats and Cyberforce and Youngblood too, but I mean that one I feel like uh, the run is less substantial, so it's harder to like you know whatever. But uh, yeah, I mean so like the thing is what where I'm saying is there's gonna be a lot of content. Mm-hmm. We're gonna we're gonna and we're gonna talk about it, keep it real. Yeah, today was authentic. just a, a chill chill pod though. Today was a chill pod. I just wanted to talk about how the fucking weird sort of comics news landscape has been like so just like taken apart by I don't know what like I guess just by by capitalism. The, it's the nature capitalism. Of it is, it's the fact need... that most people literally live on like three sites nowadays as well. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, and, like I get it because like you know I go on Twitter. I love that shit. But I just I do miss the days where you know you went to CBR for like you know, interesting, like, well-written comic stuff. You'd go on Newsarama because that was, like, the main fucking one. Mm-hmm. You'd go on Comics Alliance because that, that was, like, all that cool, like, edgy friends. That was, like, the hipsters cool, of comics. Hipsters of comics. Bleeding Cool was, like, all the dirtbags were. And, Absolutely. like, here's the thing. I, I was on, TMZ of I was comics. On, I was on all of them. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> like, it was all very different flavors. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say, I forgot to say it during the Dan Slot episode, but I'm, like, really... What people don't realize is like me, my whole career has just been like a mess, like a commenter who's somehow been given access into the other side. You you were you were talented enough where you get to be on the other side. I was just talented enough that they were like, oh, yeah, we'll let you in the door. And I'm like, oh, sweet. <laughs> like, let me have a seat. And like the, I, the, the funny thing is, is like, yeah, I got there because these different blogs were the ones that were like, here, this guy's good. You know, not mm-hmm. knowing that I was like obsessively reading these things because I love this shit so much. But I didn't. I honestly, I don't know about you, but I honestly didn't think I was good enough to make to make comics when I started. Uh, that's. I think that's normal. I think that's a little bit of a imposter syndrome that we all get. Um, yeah, but I like to the point where I didn't even attempt it. <laughs> like, I didn't even think. Like, I really had to be dragged, kicking and screaming to make, like, my first comics. That is, that is, uh, 
Uh, that, that is a little bit more of a unique situation, but I think that happens yeah. more now with uh, the way people kind of the way new artists rise, which is like on Twitter. Um, yeah, but it feels very much more like uh, there's no. Uh, I don't know if the word is gatekeeper, but the, like these sites also served as. Um, I feel like people with actual eyes for talent were on these sites and like best art ever on comics alliance or every once in a while they'll they would do like specific artist spotlights and it felt like that there was somebody with an eye for talent that was saying hey look at this person they they, they could they could matter um yeah and i don't think that exists in 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 the modern landscape yeah like when i when i started when I started making comics, like we'll just we could talk about our first comics and then we'll we'll wrap it up. But I when I first started, my very first comic was um, a thing called like when I started drawing on paper and like whatever. My my first one was like an indie book that I was going to do called Romero Muerte, and it, uh, eventually we used the name for a. Uh, a comic that I made with my buddy Dennis Culver. It was in the back of Crone, uh, a book he did with my buddy Justin Greenwood. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I first started making comics, it was for a book called Romero Muerte, and it was similar to what I said. Like I wanted to do a real luchador comic, and the idea was there is a guy who uh, goes to hell. Um, this luchador who's like kind of bored with his life of he's going down the street. Uh, like he solved paranormal crimes and just nothing. He's jaded, you know, sort of like me in comics or whatever. And he's just tired and bored. And uh, it's just like, he has a mundane existence and he gets a call and, you know, there's just some like, you know, regular giant, you know, fucking monster invading the, the city that he lives in or whatever. So he goes to deal with it. He, he kills the thing. He, like, you know, has a big fight. The thing explodes and it opens up a portal to hell. He goes to hell and then immediately he has to, he, like, he's it. He comes to hell and everybody in hell are, like, these souls that think he's uh, there to save them. Because the last time anybody came to hell not by dying would have been when um, it was going to be, like, acro. I don't know the word, but, like, you know biblical stories of like jesus went to hell and pulled out the old testament uh prophets yeah you know so it was going to be like well the last time we saw a guy down here it was a fucking jesus he had a sword he killed a bunch of these people and he set up a few good ones are you here to like save us and the idea was a comic that was like the third the third part of the bible through like this luchador story i was extremely it was like your classic guy wants to do too much on his first try yeah yeah <laughs> you know what i mean like so i like i had go ahead no it, it, it's just it's funny to me because i can totally see sort of like that um it's like a very catholic comic in a way at the same time oh, it's super a catholic comic um, that was the whole idea was i wanted to do a comic that was like about like, you know, it wasn't me trying to make a Mexican comic, right? Mm-hmm. But at the time, most of my context was, these are the kind of stories I want to tell. Mm-hmm. That's why, that's like, you know, going back a bit, that's why it's, that's why that whole conversation is funny to me, 
where like people think like you know oh only black people or only only black people can write black stories only asians can write asian stories like i don't mean to put people in those boxes like that right mm-hmm. but i know me as a young mexican creator i was passionate to tell a story like that um and you know i was going to do it with some buddies who were doing an anthology and it didn't even occur to me to do anything but something like that you know it was not because of like oh yeah i'm going to cash in on like identity politics for you know to yeah to, the, to the concept just it. didn't exist back then you were it was just coming out innately yeah so that was the, the first story that i wanted to do and you know the, it would have ended with him going to hell which is like what i've learned now like probably the the worst place to to start it like you don't want like you don't want to end it with the whole point of the book right but i you know i was like fucking ready man i was like I have my own vision of hell that's based on like all these different versions. I read all these books about hell and like different, you know, cultures versions of them. And, you know, I I was fucking hyped on this thing. And then I quickly realized like, I don't know how to write a comic. I've never done it before. (laughs) So like, I think now I I should, I should pull it out. Maybe I'll put it on the Patreon. I'll scan the pages that are like half done and I'll put them up. But I look at it now and I think maybe it would have worked, but there was no dialogue. So I reached out to a friend and we were going to, he was going to co-write it with me. Um, it was like a dude that I met on. Do you remember Comic Space? Were you ever there for that? No. So uh, when MySpace was like dying off and before sort of like Facebook and Twitter, like there was that weird point where like everything was kind of dying and new things were forming. And while that was happening, there was a site called Comic Space that went up for like maybe a week and everybody in comics made accounts. And, you know, I went on there, I made an account. And there was only one other person in my entire town that that uh, was on it. And he was the guy who said he wanted to write comics and he lived like a block away from me. So I was like, oh, fuck. What crazy coincidence. Same age as me. That uh, is stars so aligning. Worked... Yeah. So we worked on we worked on that thing for a little bit. And then I was going to be in an anthology uh, with a friend who ran a message board. And that's why I started making comics was i was on a message board to do fan art for dc comics and basically every week uh they would put out a different fan fiction thing Mm -hmm. like a different like a story of like you know a batman fan fiction and then there would be fan art to go with it as a cover so i was doing that and the guy who got me the guy who used to run that was like i can't do this anymore i gotta make comics and it was my buddy uh, brandon heron who uh like died tragically like really young he worked in a, like a place and he like literally like, fell into a thresher it was oh, like one wow. of the craziest it was one of the craziest things that ever like i got a call where it's like hey man uh, brandon died and i was like what like what do you mean brandon's like you know maybe seven years older than me <laughs> and this was like years ago right it was it's it's a fucking it's a bummer and it's a crazy yeah, thing because yeah. he's the guy He's the guy who, like, basically taught me, like, sort of aesthetics. It was like, here's how you color. He, he like, told me to get GIMP, told me how to use it, you know? Here's, like, here's what's cool. Like, stop reading this shit. Start reading, like, Grant Morrison comics. Here's, like, here, here's how to design cool costumes. Like, what you're doing is, like, 90s stuff. Like, get rid of all these pouches. Like, do this. And I'm like, oh, like, this guy just gave me the blueprint, right? 
And it really, it really did fuck me up when I started working on stuff that he would like. And I started meeting people that he was like huge fans of, you know, mm-hmm. he was the dude who told me like, Oh, get on a project rooftop. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, he was like that's... just such a, such a cool dude. And he was like, we like Ramon, like, I think your fan art is like good. You should be doing more than that. Like you should be making real comics like stop this shit and just make a real one. So we're going to do an anthology. It's going to be like a horror action thing. Um, my buddy Craig Cermak, who like does a book for top cow. Uh, he, he was in it too. And he ended up going to the Kubert school and like, he does great comics and stuff. But yeah, that dude was like, do a comic. And so I was like, great. Do you remember? I'm going to do this comic about this luchador. He named the fucker Romero Muerte, you know, like he, well, he said, uh, is, what's the Spanish word for for death? Is that muerte? I'm like, yeah. He goes, you should do it Romero after George Romero because it feels like, you know, whatever. Yeah, no, it, it, like, oh. it works. It works. Yeah, like I'm like that's a great name. Plus, it's like one of my one of my like great cousins. It's like their thing. I'm like, yeah, I'll name it that. Like, thanks for the suggestion. You know, he was my editor. He was like, I think that'd be cool. I think that'd be a cool name. It rolls off the tongue. The guiding light. So, rest in peace. Yeah. Yeah, big R.I.P. You know, I love love that dude. Um, so the only problem was, um, he he was like, uh, "How long is your story?" I'm like, twenty pages, right? Because there's all that shit that I told you happens. Like the dude goes, like he fights a giant monster, opens he a portal to hell, to whatever, a whatever. Whole giant monster. It's a twenty page story, and he's like, "Can you cut it in half?" And I was like, "No, what are you talking about?" And he goes, "Well." I can only give you like eight to 10 pages. And I'm like, Oh shit. So I can't do that at all. (laughs) He's like, no, I guess not. So I, in like, in, I, I just basically dropped all 20 of those pages and I started up, uh, an eight page story. I think it was was eight to 10 pages called Frank and Eleanor in. And, um, it was basically, uh, like a 1950s sort of like retro throwback again, like, there are there is white culture that that could be mined, right? Like science fiction from the fifties, I think is super sick. I think there's like an aesthetic language there that is super worth looking into. But but I I wanted to do that, but with like the, like the ironic twist of it, where it's like the guy is a geek and he's dating a girl who's like a fucking you know cold blooded like ninja like martial artist, you know. But they look like you know they just look like you know sock hoppers from the fifties or whatever. I just thought it would be fun, and like it's almost the, like the, the take was just the rockabilly aesthetic. No, more like in Greece before, like you know the the nerds or whatever. Yeah, like yeah. They got like Letterman. They got Letterman sweaters, you know. But uh, it was it was, the idea was basically like, uh, have you ever heard? Have you ever? Have, well, you know Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah. Like Brad and Janet. There's that the, the me first and the gimme gimme's covered the the main song from that. They're like a punk band. You know them? I assume that I don't know. Yeah. Well, they they just do like covers. This like guys from No Effects and Lagwagon and Swinging Utters or whatever. And anyways, the point is, they did a cover of it that I liked the energy of it. So I did like a drawing of them of like of two characters, and my friend was like, "Oh, the the friend that I met to write is like, oh, who are these characters?" I don't know, like Brad and Janet. And I didn't realize that was from the movie, like literally the <laughs> characters' names. So then we named him Frank and Eleanor uh, for Franklin 
Roosevelt and uh, Franklin, was it, like FDR yeah. and, and Eleanor Roosevelt. Good, pre- good president to, <laughs> to make a comic. Uh, to, oh, yeah. To, to, I mean, to you could, you could pick worse presidents. There's a you worse presidents like, you, uh, you could pick. You, what was the one? Oh, Andrew Jackson. You could I, do that I one. That would be I wouldn't a, do a comic a with Andrew Jackson. I would never do that. No, no. I, I wanted FDR. Uh, just like a little shout out to the homie. Yeah. Uh, the characters are nothing like them, <laughs> you know, but uh, the guy doesn't have polio or whatever. He, he so, uh, yeah, so I was an eight pager, but I, I penciled, inked, I did gray tones and I lettered and I, I co-wrote it, but I did a lot of the writing. Like, like it was a lot, like it was a lot of like Marvel style. Like, let's talk about what happens. I'll give you pages and then we work on the dialogue together. Like true Marvel style, not like, you know. Uh, what they showed on that documentary thing. But that was my first book. That was, it was called Frank and Eleanor in uh fucking, it was like return to the masters of the slave planet of the whatever, whatever <laughs> me and my buddy worked on it. And then we, we kind of went from there and he would be like, we got to do another one. And then the, the anthology stalled out. So we never finished the second part of that story. Yeah. With, and... with these projects, you can like, you start, you do one, especially at that age. Like how old were you during that time? Um, I was like in my early twenties, early twenties, like 22, 23, something like that. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I had projects with like, uh, college friends where like, yeah, we'll do an anthology. We'll get like six issues out and like, we'd get like half of a story done and, yeah. and no more. But it, it was, it was an interesting thing to, to do. Cause we like did Kablam. That was like the hot, like on, de- on demand printer. Oh yeah. And we, we did those and. My buddy was like, we'll fucking, we'll make money. Like, you know, he was like, we'll fucking sell this comic. And he was like pure salesman. I would just have my head down. That first, that first issue that we did, it was an anthology book, right? But like the, we, we had eight pages on it and WonderCon in, in San Francisco was coming up. So we talked to a shop that was like near my house. Uh, but the dude had a good relationship with my, the writer. And we went to this guy's shop and... Um, they said that they had a stall in WonderCon and we could sell in there. Well, we thought what they meant was they would, they would have like a chair for us or something. We get there and it's just like a regular comic con booth. And we're like, well, where are we supposed to put our books? I'm like, Oh, I don't know. We thought you would just like hand them out. We're like, hand them out. We're selling them. And they're like, Oh, okay. Well they found like a small ass table and they put us basically between the aisle and the thing. So people were just bumping us the whole time. And, uh, somebody left their table and like next to them was like Ernie Chan and Tony De Zuniga and Tony De Zuniga was like a mentor of mine. He was also from Stockton, but he, he co-created Jonah Hex and he made, um, he drew, he's like, a, just a classic, like Filipino seventies illustrator inked John Buscema. My phone going off. Anyways, he inked John Buscema and on Conan and stuff. He's like sick. And, uh, somebody left their table and our friend was like, Oh, can, can these guys put their comics here? And I was like, Oh dude, I don't want to get kicked out of WonderCon. This is my first, this is my literally the first con I'd ever been to. And, uh, I was just drawing sketches for people and just giving them away to get them to like, maybe look at my book. I'm like, what do you want? Aquaman? I'll do one for free. <laughs> like that kind of shit, you know? Yeah, Yeah. And I was so worried that they were going to kick us out. I was like looking over my shoulder like constantly 
and um nothing happened we we sold books out and then we just went home but it was like i was fucking mortified that we were gonna get like found out they're gonna arrested like, gonna we were gonna get arrested if the if the person came back to their table but we sold we sold fucking units that day I, so i was like this is great but that was my first comic and uh, that's the first big yeah. comics experience oh i mean it was it was it was wild like it, it, it like tabling tabling but then after is, that, is an experience after on that its own. It, went, it went sorry go ahead no the tabling is an experience on its own like yeah next in like real artist alley but just like kind of like literally i i've been to so many cons where i could just table here i could just sit up at that person's table and like i literally did that for my first con didn't pay for shit <laughs> just like posted up at somebody's empty table i was like i i fucking hope that no, i don't get in trouble for this we were there for like you know maybe two hours or something, and then we left. But you know, yeah, like look looking uh, back, it, you can see how uh, no big deal it was. But like at- looking, yeah, but even now, I feel like you shouldn't do that shit because people do like the shows need money but to that was pay like, for those spaces. That was like two thousand. What like it was? It was, it was early. It was, it was like it was oh it was oh, it was oh nine. Yeah, like. I, I remember like the small con experience during that WonderCon time. WonderCon was not a small con. Oh, that was WonderCon. WonderCon was, yeah, WonderCon was like back then. WonderCon. Oh was, yeah, no, I, like, even I heard three. of WonderCon back then. That's so no, funny. That was, that was not a. Yeah, no, it was like it would have been like doing that at San Diego. Yeah. I mean, it's literally. So it was how San much Diego. was how much was the table back then? How like. Hopefully nobody I know. I mean, like can... a couple hundred bucks, probably yeah, more than a, I had. That's a fat table. Yeah. So, like, yeah, it was the first. It was the first show I'd ever went to. Period, and it was like a pretty big one. And I just kind of like just... crashed it. Like that's real, hilarious. Real outlaw. Yeah. Real outlaw shit. Outlaw is what life. I did. Um. Yeah. I don't know. What about you? In What's terms of my book? my comics experiences, have been like I've been drawing comics since forever. So. Like, where do where where does one draw the line in terms of the first? Well, first thing that you published, first thing that I printed way. and published, basically was like my my Mecharane comics. Um, I I had been doing a comic called Mecharane since high school. Um, it was like my. It was as if I was trying to do like an like an anime Terminator uh, comic where the it was it was post apocalyptic. Uh, humanity had been completely run out of the Earth by uh, invading robots. It's like year three thousand. I I I I leapt a whole thousand years just uh, <laughs> just to make. It's funny because the the comic starts in the year three thousand, and then like five pages later, it's like a hundred years later. So it was like three thousand and one hundred years, um, and the main characters are like these brothers who uh, live in a space station, and they're like generals. They're like in their twenties, but they're generals. And they go, they do like resource runs to Earth, uh, and they fight a whole bunch of like robot soldiers down there. So I had this comic book that I was 
basically drawing like panel to panel on on these laboratory notebooks um and when i finally got to college i was like in my first year i was like i have no way of selling this content um so i made the i made the difficult decision to remake it into an actual comic that i would that I would have digital files that I would compile and and send to a printer. Um, this was like 2006. My first issue of Mega Rain uh, I, I, is when I worked on it. Actually, no, uh, that's a lie. I'm looking at it. I actually have copies of these still. Um, it was like 2008, and uh, I I I didn't know I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I, I but. At least I had all of all of these chapters. Like I got up to like eleven chapters of the previous notebook style version of the book. So I had all of this material that I could then be like, okay, what worked, what didn't work. So by the time I was working on this uh, newer version, I thought, oh shit, I'm doing a pro level thing now. Um, yeah, yeah. And Did you draw like a full size? Like, because you said you started like lab notebooks, but like what? Uh, like what it, size? Like what was the scale of the pages when you drew them? I the thing is, I I did the like by I got lucky. I had a a, a Wacom tablet early. Like I had a Wacom mm. tablet in high school because my older brother went to an art college and he gave me his old one as a hand me down. So I was basically drawing on the computer really early on. Um, but the notebook ones that I was doing were uh, like like the size of your average notebook. Um, not too big. Yeah, like just 8 by 10 or whatever. Uh, a little bit smaller. A little bit smaller. But mm. so I I didn't know file sizes. I didn't know like... Uh, dimensions of actual comic book pages I like looked up some online and I I kind of figured it out but basically what I used to do was I, I would just publish it online I would like scan uh, whole issues of my notebook and I would like digitally like do the lettering on top of the lettering that I was doing from the notebook but even that I wasn't going to be able to like reprint so I decided to like uh, make the leap and and jump and and do the do the book itself uh digitally um yeah. and print it basically like uh, it was just like the limitations were um since i was printing it locally and it was going to be the cheapest way to do it was take a, an eight and a half by 11 folded so the book itself is like uh five and a half by eight and a half um yeah black and white um way too glossy i'm looking at this paper and it's just way too glossy um hmm. and i i would just like walk around the university trying to sell it uh like it's funny the <laughs> first issue um uh, i in the back i i wrote like this plea <laughs> that was like oh are you a professional comic book artist uh, do you know anybody who might help me or uh, something like that it was very um i don't i i, I was i was just asking for some kind of sympathy and 
uh, I think that year I went to New York Comic Con. Me and my friend saved up some, some money. Uh, my brother was living in New York. We were able to like crash at his place. And uh, we went to New York Comic Con. And I basically just brought a bunch of those copies and like handed them to everyone. And that's when, um, out of all the people, uh, Dustin Nguyen responded. Oh, like, shit. He hit Shout me out. up on DeviantArt. He hit me up on DeviantArt. Like, listen, I actually really liked your comic book. I, I, this was like my first brush with fame. I'm, a, I'm absolutely like <laughs> still to this day thankful for Dustin. Um, he was like, yeah, listen, I can, I can hook you up with some, uh, comic book samples, some scripts. Uh, and that's awesome. He, yeah, he, he did me the favor of like forwarding them over to his editors. Nothing ever came from it, but I'm still eternally thankful because I, at that moment I was like, oh, this is possible. I can, this isn't yeah. just me dreaming. This is somebody who's in there who says like, I'm a little rough around the edges, but, uh, I am, I'm doing the things that a, a comic book artist needs to do to work professionally. Yeah, I had, I had two guys like that that were like that were like pros that told me like oh you're ready to go. One of them was my like I mentioned Tony De Zuniga. Mm-hmm. He actually he did a he did a book of Jonah Hex for DC. I think it was after I had made like the comic that I said, but before I had started making comics again, because like in between making uh, my first book LP with Kurt Pierce, we'll talk about that on a different episode, but um. Because I wanted this is just our first book, but we'll do after, we'll have to do another one of these where we talk about our first paid work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's different, yeah, completely and, different uh, experience. And uh, in between those, I was just doing ash cans, like what you basically talk about is like just getting it done on like you know regular size paper mm-hmm. and just like folding it in half. And in that, those, I was very romantic about the idea of doing it that way to scale, not scaling down, and then just like having these like you know. Uh, 8.5 by 11 sheets of paper folded in half that we could just give away to people and we could just like print them really cheap and then just hand them out. And so that's what me and my buddy did after that. So all the other Frank and Eleanor in, since we didn't finish that story, we we're just like Frank and Eleanor in my favorite one was uh raining blood on prom night. And it was, they go to, they go to uh prom and it's uh it's uh, like a v- vampires have taken over. So but they're not really vampires. They're like, you know, robot, whatever, whatever. It was like a whole thing. The <laughs> whole thing whole was like just very meta, like, you know, trying really hard to be like cool or whatever and funny and smart. So so we did that. And in between that, my buddy Tony Dezuniga, I would I would meet this dude and I would go to his. Uh, he had like a little shop where he sold art. He would have like his his original art up, but also just like paintings and shit that he would get from other artists. And he would just like, you know, put it out. And uh, every Wednesday night, he would have uh, people come over and draw live live models, like uh, different, um, like people that he would just pull off the street. There was a bar next door. So like there would be like a woman and she'd be kind of drunk. She's like, oh, you look beautiful. Come inside. We will draw you. <laughs> like He's an old Filipino dude. He had a thick Filipino accent. Like a real bohemian artist style. Yeah, he's just like a little he was like a little dude who's like real thick Filipino accent. He's like from the Philippines. And so I met him because it his shop was right next to the comic shop that hosted us at WonderCon. Like like maybe ten feet away. Like they were almost next door. 
Like it was, it was so close. And I would go to the comic shop every day or like, you know, every Wednesday I would look at books and they were like, Oh, you should meet uh Tony De Zuniga. He had, he has a shop over there and I heard about him. And, but I always was like, ah, I don't want to bother the dude. I'm like, no, he likes it when people go over there. I'm like, Oh really? I'm like, yeah. So I just went, I just walked over and, uh, it was his wife, uh, Tina. And she was like, uh, she, I was just looking at the original art cause he had like stuff that he inked of like Todd McFarlane. He had stuff that he had inked of like these different people. And he had his own shit up that he penciled in ink. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just like staring at this stuff. Yeah. Like, it's like you know, a real, real like moment. In- Faced with the art. It's the first time I'd ever seen original art, period. And so I'm like two inches away from it, just like, holy shit. Like, he fucking, this is like real shit, you know? And the his wife, Tina, is like, oh, you like that stuff? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, go, I, I draw comics, I, or I'm trying, you know, whatever. And she was like, oh, you should come over. Uh, every Wednesday we have uh, live models and Tony teaches people how to draw a little bit. Like, you know, he'll just, like, he he works and then he w- goes over and gives people feedback. I'm like, oh, really? Goes, yeah. I'm like, when? They're like, oh, like, in, like, I don't know, maybe half an hour? So I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> I don't have any of my stuff with me. So I, like, I'm like, okay, well, um yeah, I'll I'll definitely come. So I, like, go as fast as I can home. I, I live, like, you know, 20 minutes away, but I'm, like, fucking hauling ass, like, walking back home to, like, get my shit. It's like a walk back. And I go, and uh, there's a few other artists there. One of them is this dude named Tony, uh, named Mike Dimayuga, who had worked on a couple books with uh, Tim Seeley. And he had done some other stuff. And like a, my buddy, who's an inker, Frank Stone, um, who's helped me out with like inking here and there too. But um, Mike had been published in Hackslash. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, wait a minute, you, you're like published now? He goes, oh, yeah. So we started hanging out every week. We would go to the library. I'd go there, like read comics, talk to him and like other artist friends, Frank, everybody. We just meet there once a week. And, you know, we'd start doing like a thing where like I would ink him. They would ink me. And when I first started doing those, I was like, I was bad, like at art, but I thought I was good. Right. Mm -hmm. And I would go to these Wednesday meetings and then I would go to these other things and Tony would correct me and then Mike would correct me. And it was like, you know, I'm just getting so much wisdom for free from just like people that just like let just like me so they were like oh yeah like you know uh tony would take the sketchbook he's like oh this is good this is good this is like stuff that i would post on that message board right like the fan mm-hmm. art thing and he would he would flip it over and then redraw it like in two seconds like the the forms and say but when you do this do this you know like just giving me like little hints that that, that you would internalize that like you know just this is a better gesture this is a better drawing so just do it this way now and so I would just like, you know, kind of figure that out. You know, my buddy Mike would do the kind of the same thing, but with like anatomy, like, no, 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 it should be like, it should be like this, <laughs> you know, like he's my buddy, Mike was also Filipino and he had MS and he also passed away, which is another, like another crazy thing. Cause he passed away. And after he passed away, I was like, you know, I, I was, I had done LP, which was my first book. And then my buddy Dennis said like, we should pitch something. So after he passed away, we pitched, uh, actually Romero Muerte. Like I just said, you know, I have an idea for this guy who fights the devil. And he's like, Oh, that sounds sick. So we pitched it and we ended up making it for dark horse presents. But then it came out. And like I said, in Crone, like just recently, but that was like, my buddy had passed. And then like the, 
the next week, Dark Horse said, yeah, you like you can make this. And that was my first paid work. But Mike was always like, you need to make samples. You're good enough. You need to start fucking inking these books for real. And then, you know, whatever, whatever. And uh, Tony wanted me to ink him on like a full graphic novel for DC. Like he wanted me to ink him on a Jonah Hex thing that he did called a, I think it was like the Helen back or something, but it was like, a, he did a big Jonah Hex thing and he was like, you got to ink me. And I was like, dude, I can't ink you. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, you're like a legit artist. Like I'm fucking terrible. He's like, no, no, you're ready. You're ready. It was, that was like a wild, that was like a wild, uh, like how how long did that period last? What in between making comics for real? Like no, like between LP it, and from from the moment uh, where you were hanging out with these guys, like yeah, like I don't know, man. It was like it was like at least three three years, three years when uh, Tony, like two years, I think Tony lived in uh, in Stockton. He eventually moved to the Philippines and down in LA and stuff. But there was like yeah, like two years when. Just every Wednesday, I would walk at night to this comic, to this, uh, to this little shop next to a bar. Dead. And then, you know, getting, walk home after getting that. Getting a and comics then, enculturation. Becoming an honorary Filipino. Yeah. And then I'd go to community college. And then I, that was also when I was working at, um, uh, I worked at like a motorcycle shop. Uh, not like a shop that sells motorcycles. It was a motorcycle club, but they had a print shop, like for silk screening. Mm-hmm in the back of it. That's when you were doing so like I sick the, designs. I was doing like a lot of skulls for people. I never got to draw. Like I, I drew my own stuff occasionally, but mostly what it would be is people would come in and they'd say like, here's our patch. We want to make this on like sweaters. So I would have to like get this piece of like, you know, like a, like embroidery and redraw it on my computer, like painstakingly. Cause it had to be accurate. Mm-hmm. Otherwise they get fucking pissed. So I didn't want to piss off bikers. <laughs> so I would like, you know, do that. And then I also did like stuff for like a guy who was doing a, like a, a clothing label for, uh, for, for drug cartels. He would go to swap meets and see these gangsters that were like, uh, you know, like, like cartel guys. And he's like, man, they all dress the same, but I feel like if we made hot clothes for them, like famous stars and stripes, uh-huh. but for drug cartel guys, then we could make a lot of money. And I'm like, well, hey, listen, I'll I'll design the shirts. I'm I'm glad you're gonna give me a cut of the money, but I don't want to be an owner of yes, this. Yes, keep, I keep don't my want... name out of He's this. Like, I, you you keep saying we. I feel like this is a you thing. I just happen to be working for you, man. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the the shop owner was like, yeah, we'll print them again. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to have, you know, ownership of this company, but we'll print we'll them do for you. This favor. So the guy made a the guy made a run of these shirts that were like they were called uh narco ropa. Yeah, like and they lasted <laughs> they lasted they lasted one uh flea market and then the guy the guy printed the wrong uh like, you know, he printed Sinaloa on the bottom of them, oh, but it's no. not a Sinaloa. Uh-huh. It was not a Sinaloa territory. Oh no! So no, it's it's just uh, that, that got, it sounds like a terrible idea in the sense that you don't want to go <laughs> labeling yourself uh like a nar a oh, narco dude. like it was it was sick. like you it, don't want team colors the guys saw that him. way. <laughs> the guys saw them. They they were like, "Hey, what the fuck?" Fool? <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's the kind of thing you get taken they, out to the desert for. 
they they took it they took his shirts away that was the that was all and they they roughed him up a bit they took his shirts away oh, and i saw him after that like we just <laughs> uh, you know because i worked at the shop so i i had to take a bus like across town to work at this yeah. fucking shop and it took forever so i i remember walking in one day and i saw him at the shop i'm like oh hey what's up man and he had like it looked like comical like he had like a black eye oh, and like a man. neck brace yeah yeah just, he just, <laughs> just didn't like, want to talk about he's it like He's like, hey man, so I got some bad news about Narco Ropa. Like, you could you could have saved him. You could have saved him all of that. Uh, but as long as he paid you, yeah, he did. He was good about that. I mean, that guy, that it was, you know, all the clients yeah. paid the guy for the shirts, and the guy just added on the my 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 fee. Yeah, on top like of it's not like a paid. counseling business. They're not gonna tell you not to yeah. do it. They're just gonna. They're not gonna tell you it's a bad idea. I mean, hey, I made money on that oh, on that design, so, so I'm I'm fine with it. Kind of kind of wish you but, could uh, yeah. uh, keep keep the design for yourself. Just have one of those shirts as a. As I would a, not wear it with. <laughs> I would not listen. I would not wear the Sinaloa one anywhere. No, fuck no. That is crazy. That is hilarious a, and crazy. Not a good idea. Um, that's why I'm the that's why I'm the true outlaw of comics, bro. Yeah, I'm I'm crashing one. And you're unbranded. I'm making drug cartel shirts, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. You, you. I remember I was on a, at a different WonderCon, I was on a panel, how to break into comics the Marvel way. And a buddy, like everybody on the panel was like, oh, well, I went to school and, you know, I did samples, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, so I worked at a motorcycle club <laughs> and I made uh, clothing wear for drug cartels. And they were, and it was just like, you know. You literally broke the, in oh, the comics. Com- the, yeah, literally, how do I break in like a fucking yeah, you, you uh, grand larceny to comics? <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways. Yeah. 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 We, we'll have to we'll have to talk more about that about you know pre whatever. I mean, you sound like you had a real nerd kind of entrance. Yeah, I mean, I was I was I was one of these people who was always like checking like wizards. How uh like the whole idea of going to a comic con in two thousand is is sort of like the the comic book fantasy of like the the thing Wizard Magazine sells you of how to how to make it. Um, yeah, I was doing my own comics, but that's just because I've always wanted to do my own comics, like uh figuring out yeah. how to sell them or like I didn't know I I su- I've to this day I suck at selling my own stuff. Um, but I still yeah. always wanted to like produce the work. Um, yeah, no, absolutely nerd, uh, style, uh, con- like just yeah. working on my notebooks, uh, finding whatever way I could to tell, like I would skip, uh, my, my college classes to keep drawing. Like I would be annoyed that I'd have to take college classes if I was actually like, really feeling how a, a, a particular chapter was was going um like i just wanted to draw that was it um yeah and it worked out it worked out um but nothing as yeah. hilarious as as that like <laughs> I, I you know I had, I had some fun stories from my my like pre-breaking into comics i i would do i would do I had I had different odd jobs. It wasn't just that. Like I helped this dude make a wheel to teach kids how to read. It was like it was basically like all the consonants and then like the vowels and what. It was like very 
It was a very convoluted system, but he was like an old, like retired teacher. So in his mind, this is the only way that kids could learn how to read. So he, he helped, he put out a sign on like my community college for like looking for artists or whatever. And my teacher was like, Hey, I don't know if you saw this, but you know, this guy might be good for like a couple hundred bucks. Like you could, you know, he knew that I just like my, my job was basically make money wherever I could, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So I was like, Oh yeah, sure. Let me, I'll give him a call. And it's just this, this old dude who uh, was just like real eccentric, like old dude, like he would be in the newspaper for like invading, uh, uh, it was a a women's church <laughs> annual tea thing. Like it was a it was an annual like tea party for like church women leaders, and w- every year he would go there and like sell sell refreshments, like sell cookies. Like he would kind of he was like, "Well, this is a great this is a great avenue to like make some money," and like he was just hustling at the got, at the women's tea. Yeah, and they like they were like, "Hey, like you can't do this. Like we're only letting women in this year." And he was just like, "This is sexist." <laughs> and he like had a one-man protest boycott against this tea, this women's uh church leader tea party. And they wrote about it in the newspaper. It's like one of my favorite articles ever. But uh this is this dude who's like this real eccentric dude and uh I worked with him for for a long time because the project it just got more and more like labyrinthian. Yeah. Like, like if he's eccentric, at, at it, it, like, it, it's gonna get weirder and 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 more complicated as the, the time play, goes. Yeah, and he would like he would do crazy shit. Like he'd pay me actual money, but then he would also be like, "Hey, so I found out that if I bought X amount of these like coupon books that I could get this many for free, I have a deal with the person who prints them, but all the coupons are good. So like, do you want like a sack full of Long John Silver coupons?" <laughs> And I was just like, uh, I guess, <laughs> like, I guess I'll take a sack full of Long John Silver's coupons. Like I live within walking distance of a Long John Silver's. That sounds pretty fucking good, good. I guess it's a good deal. But, uh, if would, if would, you eat Long John Silver at all, it would, it would be a lot of shit like that. And it was like, you know, he, he was a dude where like every time I had a book come out, like, or one of those like old books, the signings and stuff, he'd be there like day of like to, to, just to support a dude who he's like also hiring and mm-hmm. stuff. But you know, I, I, he was just like a he was just like a crazy dude. Like he, we would go places and like, you know, he would like we'd go to Carlos Junior or something to like have a have a meeting after I got off of class about his project, and we'd go there and he would like ask if he could make the burger himself, <laughs> uh, because he just he he wanted it prepared a very specific way, and it was like you know he was buying like a dollar cheeseburger, and they were just like um no we can't let you do that. <laughs> We can't let you behind the counter to make it. Why? Like, has anybody let you do that before? He just wanted to try. He just wanted to try. He would always say shit like, Ramon, one day you're going to be famous and I want you to know that I was there from day one. I'm like, all right, man. <laughs> like, it's I'll true. remember. I mean, it's true. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a wild dude. But, uh, like, eventually he would, like, sometimes, like, I would just see him, like, he'd roll up to my house uh, to, like, work on the project. And I, first of all, I'd be like asleep and somebody would have to like knock on my door to like wake me up and be like, oh, that dude's here. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> um, but he would like roll up to my house in like a van and it was like, it was like a, like a, a van that was more like a bus, like a small bus, like a short bus kind of thing. Right. And he'd pull up <clears throat> and I'd go out and I'd see him with this fucking bus. I'm like, you're driving a bus now? 
goes, oh yeah, come check it out. So I'd go out there and I'd go into this bus and the back half of it would have been converted into like a bedroom. So he's like, not only am, do I, do I have this? Like I'm living here just on the weekends. Tiny home style. And I'm just like, dude, I, I'm like, I don't even want to parse through what you mean by just on the weekends. <laughs> and there would be like a dog there. And I'd be like, why do you have a dog? Like, when did you get a dog? This is like a full grown dog, like a big ass dog. Where did he come from? You never had a dog before. <laughs> like every time I would see this dude it would be like a different fucking crazy situation. Kramer. He's like, uh, uh, like your personal Kramer. He, no, like he literally was Kramer. Like that's how, like he operated in the world. Like a Kramer who cared about child education. That's uh... <laughs> like early development education. That was, a, it was that kind of dude. He like, looked like him. He moved like him. He actually was like, to, like he looked like Larry David, but with long hair. Like long white hair, bald still. Sounds on like top, a legend. Long, oh, this dude was this dude was an icon. Was when his I name? first met him, I was like, "Well, how am I gonna know? How am I gonna know what you look like?" He goes, "Oh, I'll be have I'll be I'll be wearing a purple top hat." <laughs> I'm like, "All right, man." I was he like, took it as a challenge. Like, okay, well, it wasn't, it wasn't like just. Well, I just I was just like uh, he's like no 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 you'll know yeah and so I thought like oh he's being facetious he's not gonna really wear like a purple hat and then he did like he came with like a purple velvet top hat like fucking Willy Wonka and then. I thought, oh, he's gonna take it off because we're we're like chatting now. But he did; he wore it the entire time, and it's not like he had a whole fit. It was like regular pants, regular shirt, purple velvet top hat. God. It was sick. This dude was, yeah. I mean, these are just different Stockton adventures. Yeah, no, th- this is uh, great material for uh, for an eventual, like I don't know, like a novel or a sitcom or like a <laughs> mafia movie with the with the yeah. cartel. Yeah, one. I mean, like, really though, like one of the, I, I do eventually want to do stuff about this this place that I live in because I do feel like, you know, it's not like uh, I don't have like crazy stories, right? But it's an interesting place, and I I, I feel like there's a lot of interesting people here. I heard Dan Slots, but you know, Stockton. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> On that note. On that um, note, yeah. You don't want to talk about Puerto Rico, something? Uh, I, 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 there's, there's plenty of stuff to talk about. Like, I got, I got some material I want to talk about, but we can save that for, for another moment. Um, all right. Well, I guess we could start wrapping it up since it's two. We're like two hours. Yeah, yeah. We've, we've definitely given, given the people some, some stuff to think about. I thought like this week we might have a short one because we literally had no topic coming in. We, our guest bailed at us like maybe half an hour before we were going to record. There was a scheduling mix up. He thought we said next Wednesday. We said, no, 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 this next episode. And then he started insulting but, uh, me and and us right. for, for a good hour. But I felt like we got a pretty good episode out. You know, we told, we, we talked about the state of the, the media yeah. landscape the for comics. And you underestimated you know, our, our ability shit. to... Uh, oh, I didn't, ex- didn't underestimate anything. I knew mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would have just canceled if I didn't think that we didn't have it under control. No, we we got this. We but got uh, this. yeah. So I hope I hope if you're still listening to this, you enjoyed it. Uh, Daniel, where can they follow you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Daniel Rosari. Uh, should be easy to find. Any special shoutouts? Uh, shoutouts to that guy. What was his name? Uh, Purple Top Hat. Uh, my boy Sean. Sean, shoutouts to him for uh living his truth yeah and a shout out you know shout out to my bu- my buddy tony de zuniga r.i.p mike de mayuga r.i.p brandon heron r.i.p true legends 
guys that took me under their wing when they didn't have to, uh, taught me the way. And uh, yeah, now here we are. Um, well, Ramon? And you, you can... What's that? Where, where can they find you? Oh, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, you can find me at Ramon Villalobos, and you can find our podcast at Flintallo. Um, make sure to leave a positive iTunes review. I'm told that's good for their algorithm, although I don't really give a shit. But it'd be cool. I need to check. Maybe we have some reviews. I don't know yet. Maybe Next week, if we have any reviews, I'm going to read them on the pod. Check out the Patreon. Um, and check out the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Flintallo. And uh, again, thank you to the Patreon uh, supporters for this brand new microphone, Ooh. which we have this week. Um, yeah. Uh, take it away. Hell yeah, babies.